And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello to everyone. Again, we are back, the Weighing In Podcast with Josh the Punk Thompson and myself, John McCarthy. We don't have a lot to talk about as far as current fights, so we're going to go back in history a little bit. Josh, I think we got a surprise guest, and we got two surprise guests. Let's think about this. I'm sorry. Talk to me, brother. What's up? It's going to be great to hear all this stuff. There's a lot of buzz right now with one of our guests and the next guest after that, which is someone who knows the history of the sport of the first guest and everything yeah, he that does. he is, he's brought to the table and, and into, into this sport. And look, for those of you guys that have been seeing this stuff on social media going around, you guys need to understand there's a lot of backstory and we just try to break it down. Like there's not an argument here. This is a conversation that needs to be had. And that's all it is. We're not arguing. We're just talking about the history. We are the of purveyors two. of truth. Yes. We're just baby. here to share our knowledge to you guys in a very in-depth perspective on what we feel and not just how what we feel, but what we know about the sport. And we've brought people along the way that will help us help you guys understand the knowledge maybe better than we will. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. Well, every now and then you get to actually introduce someone that you know is a living legend, and we have got one on the podcast today. We have got the prodigy, BJ Penn, a man who is a trendsetter, a guy that has been there, done that, a guy that would fight anybody of any size at any time, anywhere, and I'm thankful that he is in such a beautiful place like he is in Hawaii, not having to be with Josh Thompson in San Jose. No one wants to be there. That's a horrible place to be. What's up, BJ? What's going on, Big John? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, brother. It's great to see you, man. Yeah, I, 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 I jumped on the, the, the call earlier, and I thought we were live, but I just want to say to the world, I knew I made it when I was in the octagon, and Big John walked, walked in front of me and said, you ready? You ready? Let's get it on. I, I <laughs> Because, right, Josh, that's all we ever saw. And on the yeah. other side, real quick, real quick, catching everybody up, me and Josh started together 20 years ago at AKA. So yeah. we all know each other pretty well, us three. Yeah, it's funny because John said, he goes, yeah, you don't want to be there with Josh in San Jose. BJ fucking hated San Jose. <laughs> he couldn't <laughs> wait. He hated San Jose. He was like, he's like, bro. There's there's no good looking women around here. The clubs are shitty. He's like, there's nothing to do. It's like everyone's working. He's like, this place sucks. <laughs> he fucking hated it. The first chance he could get to go back to Hilo or go back to Hawaii, he's like, I'm fucking out of here, out of here, bro. So it was either it was either back to Hawaii or it was down in L.A., like in the Orange County area, Costa Mesa, and all those areas. He would always just bounce and be out. We never really saw him outside of like just training. He'd come train. Go eat, go back, train again, bounce out. Be like, hey, what are you doing later? Psh, nothing. There's nothing to do around here. He hated San Jose. It's funny, man. But um, but yeah, good. You're right. Though. Josh, Josh knows pretty well. Josh has come down, helped me train for fights and everything. So Josh is no stranger to this place that you see behind. Too. I yeah. love I love Hilo, man. I love that that style of just relax, chill, and you can walk down. You live like right down the street from that little downtown area there. Couple yeah. nice little spots to eat right down the street. 
you know, and then, you know, your family's all just live like kind of right, like a couple houses away, right? JD lives, I don't know if he's moved since, right but yeah, yeah. he's like, he lives right there. See, right behind me. You know, uh, yeah. and then, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you had just, I think, bought the house that you're probably in right now. I think yeah. and then Reagan was living in the, in the town, in the house, the one that your parents built right behind the house there. Yeah. So I think he was living up there. We were, we were all kind of crashing there at the time, helping you train, man. Good stuff. I've been out there a couple times to help you train. I think first time was for the GSP second fight. And then, and then we did for the uh, Matt Hughes, I think third fight it was. So we went out there a bunch of times. Roy McDonald too. Oh, Roy. That's right. The Roy fight yeah. too. So Yeah. We, we had some stuff. good times, man. We had good times. And uh, yeah, she's man. What was it? We went to what? Verna's the little yeah. food. <laughs> yeah. Verna's and the food there. Big John. Not good for you. But it was good. It was good. Between between training sessions with a little bit of uh, you know, some mac and some what the mac and cheese with the gravy and the yeah, it was not good for you, but it was great. It was good, tasted good. So, so. it was got some real authentic Hawaiian style driving. If you want to go for like that real Hawaiian style almost museum type. I mean, they just got all, everybody in Hilo's got the same menu. So it's just who's, who's food you want to eat that day. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did what, remember we went out there when Kaushik was out there with us one time. It was funny. Kaushik was out there a couple days before me, John. Yeah. So then, so then they all were there training for a couple days before me. And so what happened was, BJ takes Koscheck for the first time to a freshwater spring and they're all jumping off the trees, but they don't tell Koscheck the water's ice cold in the freshwater springs because you're right there by the ocean. You're thinking it's the same ocean water. It's like the same, you know, kind of Hawaiian water, water, like Hawaiian warm water. No, no, no. He jumped in. He was, he was telling me the story. He was trying to think that I didn't know that already, but I'd been out there before and I'd went swimming in those, in those freshwater springs. I knew what I was getting myself into. I jumped in. I came up like no big deal. He's like, he's like, ah, it's cold. Huh? I was like, I was like, bitch, I fucking knew already. You acted like he was all surprised. He's like, oh, you knew. Okay. But he, cause you know, cost he's, he just doesn't like cold water. He just doesn't. It was just funny. I was laughing my ass off. We had some good times, man. Did a lot of boys were getting into it. They were like fighting while they were no. training. <laughs> People don't know that. Like Alan Goez and Kostek were almost like in a fist fight a yeah. couple times. He was getting pissed off because Alan Goez was trying to go hard, trying to sweep him and trying to like and like trying to up kick him a little bit and stuff like that. And Kost's like, "Hey, motherfucker, I'm getting ready for a fight." They almost came to blows a couple times. We had to separate them a couple times. It was funny, man. Big John knows. Big John. Uh, knows. Hey, here, I'll, I'll give you the, the first first story. My first BJ story is the very first fight I ever did of BJ's was against Dean Thomas. It was in New Jersey at the Meadowlands. And they put everybody on these buses to take us back. And I'm sitting down. B, BJ, you know, had a super impressive performance. And he walks on the bus and he, he looks at me, comes up to me, says, Hey, Mr. McCarthy, I just want you to know I've been watching you since I was a kid. <laughs> I go, Thanks, BJ. Right? Yeah. He goes, yeah. That's see you later, right? He goes back. I was like, I'm so fucking old, and I wasn't even old back then. <laughs> I, I, I people tell me that, man. Yeah. yeah. Now you know. <laughs> then you yeah. Know. It's funny, right? Like people will tell me the same thing. Like, I'm sure they tell you, like you know, that like, oh man, like, bro, I used to watch you when I was like, you know, I was in middle school. I'm like, yeah, I watched you in the UFC or I watched you in Strike Force when I was like middle school. 
And I'm like, man, that to me, that doesn't seem very far long ago. And I'm like, how old are you? Like, oh, I'm 20, 20 years old, 21. I'm like, damn, man, that's I'm so old. So I don't know what happened. It it got to us all, huh? Oh, yeah. always, man. Wait, one time I had my gym and I I I get BJ to be able to come out and he's gonna do a seminar at my gym. So I go to pick him up now, set up the flight and everything, right? Get you know, all that stuff. So I, I go to LAX to pick BJ up. BJ didn't tell me he was bringing somebody else. So I picked BJ up in a Corvette, right? And his friend, who was your friend? Who was with us? I, I was just going <laughs> to this, this seminar that we did at, at your place. Yeah. Who was that time? It was one oh, of your... The guy, was it Tom Callis? Was it the guy who got me involved? with No, nope. No, no, no. It was a, he was small. Thank God. Cause he was in the trunk of the Corvette going down the 405 freeway in the trunk. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the only place I could put him. <laughs> was it, was it Niza? Hey, was it Niza? Cause Niza was a small guy. I think this was beef. She's a, this was a long, what year was this? This was what? Oh, 2007, 2008, 2008. Yep. You had just started bjpen.com. He was part of that, I know. But oh, that was this it was hysterical. Uh, gotta be Scott. Oh, yeah. Scotty. White was he a white guy? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Scott, probably Scotty from, from on the mat, right? Remember Scotty from on the mat was with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotty was around. He was from San Jose. Remember? Yeah. Who else was from San Jose? I remember he was one of the first guys I ever grappled was Sean Shelby. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah he lived in san jose that's remember he did the the shogun promotion in hawaii at the uh when we all stayed at the alawana oh, yeah. and uh yeah i remember that and then that was when they had that stack card like i fought kid yamamoto i think eves was on there bj Penn was a cabbage was on there um there was a lot of guys on that card believable fights if you think about it now a card like that right that was yeah. unbelievable I know Cabbage fought Aaron Brink or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he ended up fighting. Remember, no, remember he ended up fighting uh, Dennis the Menace, I think, because, uh, or no, was Dennis the Menace on Dennis there? Dennis the Menace. There was a guy named Dennis the Menace. I think he was from Hawaii also. Another Hawaiian kid. Brink or something. And then it got, or did he knock out, was it, I think it might have been Brink. But Maybe Brink it was, was. He was kind of yeah. off. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that guy? Big yeah, guy? yeah, I do. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Briggy was a porn star. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he went. Aaron Brig Aaron Brig fought uh, Andre Arlovsky in the UFC. Did that fight? He got armbarred by Andre Arlovsky. Wow. Hey, Arlovsky impresses me. I mean, he's still out there. He's still got a contract. Heavyweights, unbelievable. Yeah. They can last Un forever. He just. He just. He he stays there. I mean, enough to get keep his contract, right? Yep. I mean, right? he's, he's as old as us. <laughs> every every he, time he's right at that moment of you got to win this, he wins it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing you, to me. You know, there's those fighters, right? That the promotion is just trying to get rid of, but they can't. He's like, he's that guy, bro. He's, I love watching him fight. Cause he, he, he either goes out on his shield or he like beats people. I mean, you can't be mad at that. I'm not mad at the way he fights, man. I actually enjoy still watching him fight. 
some of the older school guys, I just stop enjoy watching fight because they don't throw. They just wait. They wait for shit to happen. You know, yeah. but him, he still goes. He still gets after it. He either gets knocked out or he tries to knock you out. I can't be mad at that type of guy. No one can be no. mad at that type of guy. No matter what. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's the real guy. Yeah. All right. So, hey, I got I got to jump into this. This uh, these questions right here, man. The one of the questions is obviously there's a lot going on right now in terms of people are trying to compare the the BJ Penn and Khabib, you know, comparison. And 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 I'm gonna be honest, man. Like I've trained with both of you guys. I think you guys are both dominant in your own ways. And you and I were texting a lot today, back and forth. Uh, even before I was gonna talk to you about uh about um you coming on the show, I was just texting. We were just texting back and forth, and I said, I'm like, hey, man, like stylistically i think you in your prime and then him in his prime it would have been a great fight to see but everyone keeps going back to oh well he lost to frankie frankie's a good wrestler a better wrestler than or not as good a wrestler as could be i said what you have to remember is that you'd already been the light that you'd already been the the um welterweight champ you'd already fought gomi and beat gomi you'd already fought henzo Rodrigo. you'd already fought lioto you'd already fought all around the world and all the biggest promotions and you came back and then like you'd already been the, the lightweight champion as well. That was you'd already been the lightweight champion several times and defending and beating all the guys that everyone said that you couldn't beat. Sean Shirk, Diego Sanchez. Oh, Di he's got problems with cardio. Put Diego in there. Kenny Florian was a better stand up guy. was going to pick you apart. And his jiu-jitsu was just as good. Sean Shirk was going to wrestle you and just scrow and just Who said just his jiu-jitsu was just as good? There was that was a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk during that time. Remember, there was a lot of talk during that time. Oh, he's Kenny, on the ground. You know what I mean? And so that's the thing. People want to compare those things. And I'm not taking anything away from Khabib, man. And I've and John and I have said this several times, and nothing against you, BJ, at all. But the most dominant fighter at 155 pounds has been Khabib. And maybe you can agree with that. Maybe you don't. Yeah. But when it he's been the most dominant fighter at that weight class. But when it comes to someone that went out of their way to pick fights with other people, I don't think I've ever met anybody else like you. You know, that has gone, you you didn't just go out and pick fights. You actually went out there and got into them with, with guys, you know, like you were like, Hey, you know what? Everyone thinks that GSP is the best guy. You didn't have to fight GSP. You could have fought somebody else and defended the title or came back and not fought, you know, and fought somebody else to work your way up or whatever it was. You never took the easy way out. And so that's, I just wanted to get your take on what your thoughts were with the, with the Khabib conversation right now. Um, I do. Uh... I, I do enjoy Khabib um, uh, watching him fighting everything. But I do, 100%, I wonder why he left so early. You know, I mean, we all get, like you said, I mean, of course, I've, I feel like I had three careers because you get burned out and then you got to try to spark something new, you know what I mean, and come back again and then try it. And, and, and the lightweight ended up being my last successful jump. But then, I, you, you know, you try to keep sparking it over and over, right? But... That's why, I mean, your education is based on your appetite. It's how hungry you are and everything. And, I mean, you can only talk ab about the two guys when they were at their most, you know, hungriest and they were at, at their best. And, and that's the only way. But I, I do wonder. But I, I do think that that it would be very – it is tougher for his style to go up because – I don't know. I haven't grappled with him, but I think that when you get into those higher weights and you're fighting somebody like Usman – Sooner or later, you're going to find yourself on your back with your head against the fence. And if you're a small guy, you got to know what to do. And that 
is what I always thought, and that's why all three of us here are jujitsu black belts, because that's self-defense. You're walking down the street, the little old lady's the one who's going to get picked on, and she's got to know what to do, right? And, and I've always believed that, and that's what martial arts is, and, and then that's why... I, and then from also always grappling and doing the absolute division, it wasn't a question. You were going to grapple somebody 250 pounds that day. It was just later in the day that was going to happen. That was just a known fact when you went there. So it was always for us, you know, right? Oh, we've always been around it. We saw this sport be born off it with hoist. Then we started doing all this stuff and we're just in, in love with it like everybody else. Are you still in love with MMA? Are, are, are you active in watching the guys that are the champions now and all the different weight classes and stuff? Or do you just like every now and then you, you get to see a fight? I, I go I, I, I go on BJPenn.com. Yeah, every now and then I'll watch a fight, but I, I'll know who the champions are. I mean, the last fight that I got really, really excited about was Daniel Cormier and John Jones too. Like where I was like, oh, these are the two best guys they're going to fight. They're going to be in the ring, you know? But I don't even know if I got to watch it, but but I remember I, you know, but I I the the good fighters and the good ones I know like I know Adesanya is the the champ and and stuff, but the new contenders I I don't really get to see as much. Yeah, so to to run it back a little bit on what you're talking about with the Khabib thing, like I've trained with him, he's phenomenal in terms of wrestling, um, and and I, like I said, when the comparison comes between the two of you. The one thing is, is like, I knew your takedown defense. And when you were on point and like John has seen and talked about with Matt Lindland and him being an Olympic silver medalist and struggling to get you down, struggling to deal with your jujitsu, that level, even Randy Couture talking about struggling with your jujitsu, um, even though he's a big, was a lot bigger guy than you. And I've seen you over the years with guys like Bobby Southward, Trevor Prangley, guys who were just good strikers, heavy wrestlers, and good jiu-jitsu guys, and you were able to stuff everything they did, do all the things. Those are the things that I see Khabib do as well to all these other types of fighters as well. So when I have, I'm not trying to compare right. you guys in, in the fact that like the together, you guys are the top two. And there's no doubt in my mind, there's no doubt Now, however you guys want to put each other one and two, I don't give a shit. That's up to you guys. Okay. But when it comes down to it, stylistically you guys match up very well your jiu-jitsu game against his wrestling would have been one of the best things i would have loved to have seen as well as your takedown defense with your flexibility and dexterity and all the things the way he takes people down it would have been it would have posed a lot of threats for him on the feet i think you have the bigger punching power i actually know you have the bigger punching power you know during that time um your boxing was a little bit more clean and crisp just ask carl uno okay and things like that but He's got power as well. He's got speed. He's not afraid right. to throw his hands. He's got a great chin. You had a great chin. It made for it makes for a great fight. That's that's really what I wanted. That comparing you guys is not the issue. It's comparing you guys past the 155 pound division where I think people are getting lost. And I think that's where you're at. You said it yourself. He's never had to be on the bottom of guys like Usman, like you were with Matt Hughes and GSP. Oh he man. Yeah. I, I remember when Hughes got me down that one time and he was so mad. Because I was talking so much crap about how I beat him. I, I remember him lifting the elbow up. And it came down. It didn't hit me. But it came down with such force that it hit the elbow. And he was trying to kill me. Yeah, he hit the ground. Because I was I was in the ring with you. And I was like, oh, no, thank God that didn't hit him. <laughs> he yeah, he was trying to kill me, the guy. 
you know and so like what like what makes what makes you think or what what's your take on how 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 would he have done against guys that were good like guys like Colby Covington who are great wrestlers guys like Usman who are great wrestlers you know you could say guys like Vicente Luque who has got good stand up he's got decent takedowns you know guys that are making their run to the top and then to even say if we went to 185 i mean you fought Rodrigo Gracie you fought you know Hanzo those guys like those guys were bigger than the guys at 170 you know so like what what's your take on that my guard work when I fought Lyoto, I had to be in my guard two or three times. I forget how much times, you know. But yeah. no, my my take on I do wonder because I watch I, I watch him, and and I watch and and it it looks as sometimes like he gets tired or he's just kind of holding the guy on the fence because it doesn't. I don't know. I I'm not as great of a wrestler, so I I don't want to say anything bad. But it doesn't look like he's as smooth as like a Daniel Cormier when he's on there as far as getting the takedown is quick. But he stays on there, and eventually he does get the takedown. I see him get things, you know. But but I, I, it looked like it looks like he gets tired and holding the guy on the fence and going for the takedowns. But I could be wrong. I don't know. You could say, hey, it does feel like Daniel Cormier up there or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? So I well, don't know. His, John, I mean, like John, you've been in the cage with Khabib, and yep. when it comes down to it, his wrestling. It's a different style, and I'm, I've I've gotten a lot of flack for this, right, John, with the whole different style of wrestling. You sound like you look like you got something you want to say. Go ahead, John. No, it's just you know I'm the I'm the one that said I've always said that the most dominant fighter, as far as every round that I ever was in the cage with him, where he dominated his opponents, where he you know it was ten eight rounds most of the time, was Khabib, and yeah. it was and and when you're close, just like you're talking about, you know. Fighters talk all the time, and he's talking to his opponent the entire time, and he's he's mentally breaking them down. And I, and I always said that you, you know, BJ, you were the one. I, I said, if I could take a fighter and say, this is the skill set you want for MMA, it's BJ Penn, a guy that's got an iron chin, a guy that's got power in his hands, a guy that's got incredible jujitsu, a guy who is never a wrestler but can wrestle his ass off in keeping the fight where he wants it to be. And that's why when Josh is saying, you know, the two best lightweights, you know, I go with the fact you went in a different fashion. Khabib went down the road of, I'm going to be a lightweight. I'm going to be the best lightweight in the world. He made it. You went in the direction of, I want to be the best fighter in the world. I don't care what weight it's at. I want to prove that my skill set is better than everyone else's. And that's what took you on your path. And, you know, at a, at a certain point in your career, you were unbeatable. That after the Jens Pulver, which was, I think, your fourth fight ever, after that, you learned something in that fight because, you know, fighting is about being able to control the pace and everything. Uh -huh. and you, you went on a tear after that fight, you know, where you were just remarkable in the way that you would control guys and, and just put people in bad positions and stuff. So, I mean, it's an amazing contrast as far as you guys are different but you were both just incredible at the way you went about the fight game. What, what yeah. would you, BJ, let me ask you this. What's the difference between that, our generation, I, I put myself in your generations, the, the two in that generation of us fighting between yeah. this, that generation and this generation. Um, she's, I mean, all of us, I yeah, guess I mean, it, maybe it's that social media stuff. Or I don't know, but, um, it's the um 
yeah, I think it's just because even GSP didn't want to lose. You know what I mean? Even he, because he would have been, he never, we never got to see him on his back with a freaking Quentin Rampage Jackson pushing his forehead into his face and <laughs> yeah. back to the fence. You know what I mean? Even he yeah. didn't want It's almost the same thing. It's very similar to Khabib. They both don't want that. And then, I mean, who who would want that? You know what I mean? <laughs> Oran would want that, right? I know some crazy guy from Hilo, Hawaii. He would yeah. want that, right? <laughs> who would want a million people watching that happen to you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like... Um, I- I, I wanted to like um I wanted to t- see like the comparison in terms of yeah I get social media has changed the dynamic of how these fighters promote themselves and there's a lot more criticism now because the internet has taken off so much you know people forget that we we're kind of in the beginning stages of the internet so it wasn't as popular when we were getting beat or when we were smashing other guys they're like it was all still kind of word of mouth now I swear the fight ends there's a there's a video up for millions of people to see within seconds yeah and so. That's changed the way people, they don't want to go to different weight classes. They don't want to take those chances of being embarrassed. You, you, you know what? When, after I already, I already, I already fought Hughes and Koscheck was down here and he was just about to do his first ultimate fighter. We were all here. It was that, it was that time. And, and, and I, no one even knew that I beat Matt Hughes yet. As soon yeah. as that ultimate fighter thing went, maybe one or two more ultimate, maybe two or three, everybody knew I beat Matt Hughes. Wherever I go, hey, BJ Penn. BJ, I was already Japan and back. Yeah. Before that all happened. Crazy. Yeah, right? yeah. That's that's what I was trying to remind people. I'm like, look, because the legacy after you left, right, the UFC, then you went. Remember, you did Rumble on the Rock, and I was there for the yeah. Gomi fight. And I tell people, I'm like, you have to remember that it was widely talked about that Takanori Gomi was the best lightweight in the world. They were talking that he was like the best guy you guys yeah. paid to have him brought over to fight you in, in rumble in the rock you guys, yeah. you know? And so when you brought him, remember sitting at the rules meeting and they were asking for like, cause the original, it was normally the rules were going to be just the normal, uh, what do they call them? The unified rules for, yeah. and then he started asking for knees on the ground. You're like, and I remember you sitting there with one leg over, you know, your flexibility, putting one leg over your, your hip and you're like, yeah, whatever he wants. And then he added, he wanted to add elbows. He's like, yeah. And then BJ just shook his head. He's like, yeah, whatever you want. And he just kept looking at him, staring him in the eye. BJ's like, yeah, whatever he wants. I don't care. You want head stomps too. And the guy, and they're like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you want. It was whatever they wanted. BJ's like, yeah, let's do it. But he was supposed to be the. The guy who had good wrestling would knock out yeah. power. And yeah. I remember the beginning of the second round, you threw that left hook right into that big double leg. And after that, you could just see, like, yeah. Gomi, he showed that he was tough and there was no quit in him. But you just destroyed him and dismantled him after that. And then it was widely known that you were just you were just leaps and bounds above almost everybody else in the lightweight division. Man. And, yeah, because... You know, a lot of people don't know about that. So it's good. It's nice to talk about it because <laughs> nobody really knows it. That was like a world title fight. That was a goal that you give, you know, you only got so much fight in you, right? And then you understand why people walk away and they're not sick around, but you only got so much. And, and that, that, I, that I gave a good goal there, you know, wanting to be number one, bringing the best guy from Japan, everybody's at the top. All of us lightweight fighters always looked up to those Shuto guys, right? Yeah. Rune- Pato, all of them, all of them were good. So yeah. remember the days, though; those guys were tough. Ramino yeah. Sato, Mock Sakurai, they were some tough dudes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. 
There was some tough guys. Yeah. You got to remember those guys were doing it before, you know, before we were really kind of even getting into the sport. I mean, like, I remember Ruben Asato hit uh, Charles Taylor with that flying arm bar and it just, it basically like we were getting videos of it, like through our, you know, through like our, our flip phones. And everyone's yeah. like, it was like, Oh shit. Did you see that? His arm was straight. He's tapping before the arm even went straight. Cause he's, it was yeah. something that no one had ever seen before, you know? And, uh, yeah, you just you just you hear about all the, the Japanese fighters who were just killing everybody at the time with their jiu-jitsu and their wrestling and you know and right. just smashing guys. And so, but look, I just I wanted to what's them that fight in the UFC the because I would think they would have had more um, success, you know. Yeah, I I think also too just you have to remember when the you're cage. changing when you're changing scenes the cage from the ring to the cage that's one two is. The noise, the noise, Yeah, you know, there's the crowd is not the same. Like the crowd in Japan is silent until action happens and they go back to being silent in the States. They're walking out. That's an automatic adrenaline dump. I think for, for any Japanese fighter that comes out going, shit, what is all this noise? What's going on? They can hear the crowd stomping as they're getting ready to walk out or while they're warming up. It changes the dynamic of any fighter who's not prepared for something like that. Right in a different culture, you walk in your house, everybody's like, "Shh, quiet." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, everyone's like, you know, and they're, and they're, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, realistically, go ahead. I got a, I got a question as far as you know. I always say that that walkout, especially when you're the main event of a fight, it's like a drug that you can't get anywhere else. When you started your career, you started your career by running down the ramp right right away just running right in ready to go and then eventually they took away the ramp and you did those walks what were those walks like and what were you really thinking about at those times Jeez, jeez. if you're focused you're not thinking of nothing else right but sometimes you go in there you're unfocused you hear somebody fucking yelling in the air fuck you gsp beat you What a bunch of assholes, there's, there's man. There's always those guys, man. <laughs> bro, you know, you know, like BJ always likes to say, bro, you know the rules, man. These guys, they're jerks, man. They're jerks. You just got to just know what the rules are. The rules are just don't let them get to you. That's, That's it. That's it. There's ni- the 99.9% of the place love you. Don't worry yeah. about that. Yeah. The, okay, so like back on the comparison with you and you and Khabib, I just want to know, like, what do you think? How do you think he would have fared against somebody? With and no, and it's no disrespect at all. I just want to. How would you think he would fare in being having to compete against guys at a, at a higher weight class? You know, Usman, a Colby Covington, guys that had good wrestling, possibly even going up to one eighty five. You know, like you know, you fought guys in the one hundred eighty five pound division, having to fight guys like an Izzy, you know, or or uh, Derek Brunson, those type of guys with that type of wrestling. Man, I. I honestly don't think he would have a chance. I'm all respect in the world, and he was the most dominant. He's never lost a lightweight, but I don't think he'd have, he'd be because Usman just knocked out Masvidal. Masvidal's never been knocked out before. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, but but I guess those guys were that for back then. Usman, you know, Usman is hungry right now, and he's huge, right? And he's yeah, huge. He is. <laughs> you know, I mean. It's going to be tough to get him on his back. And you start getting tired, and he's going, and he's got good cardio, and he's going on you, and he starts gaining confidence. 
once the other guy gains confidence, the 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 fight's good. It's tough already, right? Once that guy yeah. starts thinking, I got this guy, I got him, and it would just be. I think it would be tough. I think it would be tough. No disrespect to Khabib, but I I don't think he could beat Usman. Yeah, I don't think beat him. I don't think he could beat Adesanya. How, how much do you, how much do you how much do you think that has to do with the generational gap? Because like realistically, like look, when you were making that run, and this is and people are gonna we're gonna talk about this because when you made that run, guys like Matt Hughes didn't have jujitsu really. I mean, you know, I mean, uh -huh. like you could say his his armbar on GSP was was very BGSP was tapping before the armbar was fully straight. You know, like sure he made a great great transition, but his he was he wasn't known for his jujitsu, and he was up until up until Matt retired, he wasn't known for his striking either. You know, uh -huh. so how much of that is a generational gap? Because guys like Usman, he's got obviously just proved he's got good striking, he's got good wrestling. You know, he's right. increased his his conditioning is is on point. He's like he looks like just like a a younger, hungrier, bigger GSP, I guess. You know, the boxing, but I guess his boxing is coming sharper even uh, his right hand, right? Yeah. Well, you know, Masvidal's never been knocked out before, right? Dude, he blasted him. That crazy. Yeah. There was no, I don't care who you were. Nobody was standing up to the shot that he took. Yeah, no knock on Masvidal. He's a fuck. He's no. an animal. Yeah, he's an animal. No knock on none of them. No knock on Khabib. I mean, you can't. I, I'm just saying. I would. I would. I would have tried, and I. I think he could get that fight. Yeah, I think he could get that fight, and I. I would have got that fight. Yes, yeah, I, I would. I would say something like with the Khabib situation. Usman, it, because I think the tall, long, and lanky guys, and I'm gonna keep seeing this, saying that, is guys like Usman with his reach, his jab. He would have been a, it would have been a really hard fight for Khabib to get in. And then even if he did get in the wrestling category, I, I would put maybe Khabib as being a better wrestler if they were just straight up wrestling in terms of like the striking wasn't as much of a factor. But you put Khabib because he's not a big, he's not tall, he's not long. But his tenacity comes forward. You know, he throws big shots to get himself in on the body locks and on the double legs. But can he get in enough on guys like Usman to get the takedown? Can he get in enough on guys like Usman to, you know, to grind him out on the wrestling? But having to deal with that size as well becomes a big factor. And then what if you get put on your back? That's what I always think. What if well, Usman just down his back? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree with that. But I've trained with him a lot. He's not bad. He's not bad off of his back. But having to yeah. deal with a guy who's bigger, like I'm saying, he's not bad off of his back with guys like myself. You know, yeah. I'm I'm not was never a big lightweight, but he's I'm, not bad off of his back though either with guys like Ed Ruth and guys like uh, John Fitch. You know those type of guys. But you know when he came, when John was training with him, he wasn't. John was also kind of you know getting a little bit older as well. So it's hard to compare. I think guy Usman right now is at the top of his game. Khabib is at the right. top of his game. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But if you're going to talk about a guy that was known as a grinder and great on the top position, John Fitch would be one of them. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. That's true. I, mean, I don't but care Usman, what age he was. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. We saw that with Roy McDonald. We saw that with other guys, yep. too, after that. But Usman, I feel like Usman, with the athleticism that he has, the power that he possesses in his, in his punching causes more of a threat for Khabib. Now, I'm not saying that Khabib couldn't beat him. You know, I actually would lean more towards Khabib just because I think Khabib would – he would he would wrestle him in different ways that we've seen. It wouldn't just be the straight double leg. He would make more transitions for foot sweeps, things that things that would take away um, uh, Usman's athleticism, trying to press him to the fence. But it'd be harder for a smaller guy like that to press guys to the fence. You know, be like you. 
BJ had, even though he wasn't a big guy, he, he had, he was very strong in different areas, but his flexibility, his dexterity, like if guys try to pick your single leg, you had great balance. You know, you could keep shift their head from side to side. And if you did hit your back, you were good at hitting your normal plot to get back to your feet. You're good at hitting triangles to get to try and sweep them and get to the top position. You know, your, your style of sweeps were different. John was talking about the one just the other day about oh. the, the pass that you got on, uh, who was it? Enzo Gracie, I will yeah. never forget the pass that you moved to mount. The way you moved your leg. First off, it's not, it's not human-like. I'm just saying it right there, okay? It is no one, no one else that I know could do what you did with your leg. Because it's yeah. not like you know, I would have to grab my leg and almost dislocate my hip to try to get it into that position. And you just did it without even touching it. It's like, oh, that's just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at that the other day, you know, but I was thinking I shouldn't put it up on it. I don't, I don't want Master to kick my ass now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'm right now, I'm coming down there. Um, <laughs> he would too, man. That's the, that is the way he is. <laughs> okay, so now you we brought up the Henzo situation, you know, with Rodrigo and with Henzo and those guys. Tell me, because I know there's a story. Remember, you'd, you'd already beat Rodrigo Gracie, right? And then you were fighting, you were fighting Henzo. Tell me about the family on the side and what they were yelling to Henzo when, when you were able to pass guard or get or you were on the top position. Cause there's there's a lot of stories going around that the the family was yelling, do it for the family, get him, do it for the family. And it became this thing like, man, the the energy in the Gracie family to make sure that they lit, you know, that Gracie name lived on. It was it was electric in the crowd that night. It is, it is. No, it's true. Um, that they're all, they're the ones. They're that 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 martial art is just amazing, right? That martial art is just no. They were there. There, yep. A half was there. Hey, but you know what? You know what's cool now is that um, half uh, half's daughter lives over here. Her husband Kim is the jujitsu teacher at my gym, so she's I I, I talk to half once in a while and stuff, and you know oh. that's cool stuff. You know just yeah. how like turns around like goes around in circles and right that's Everybody, crazy right maybe Everybody. not i don't know i don't know if a lot of people know but you trained with Half in the beginning part of your career i think you were a, with a blue belt with him right yes 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 was, and that that was when you were training with dave camarillo and da and dan camarillo and those yeah. guys uh i think uh was gumby there at the time also yeah yep so gumby. gumby was there that's why it was kind of it was the whole thing because Half was there and I wasn't very happy that he started me off in training and then I was there fighting Henzo, you know, so yeah. I'm glad we can put all that stuff behind us and then move on to the next, you know, and I do, I, I as get, as I get older, I, I start forgiving people now here and there. Not that I forgive health, you know, I just talk about just life. But uh, I remember the, the other day I seen this guy and made all this trouble and I was like, oh, there is. And I was like, I'm going to go forgive him, actually. I remember right, <laughs> when, right, right when I, because he knew I should do something, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but right when I said, hey, man, life is short. That's the easiest way to think about it. Hey, man, life is short. Oh, man, his smile. I think I think God was there. His smile yeah. was so Because he knew. He knew it should have been head or gut. <laughs> <laughs> head or gut. But, but you know, the, the truth is, Life is short. Just think about, Man. you know, everything. And, you know, I go back all the way with, you know, before there was the UFC and with the Gracie family and stuff. And it's like, 
when I get together with Hoist, you know, and, and Josh is there a lot of the time since Joyce is, I mean, Hoist is a, an ambassador with Bellator. You know, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. Cause I, I go, I go with the, the fashion, you know, Josh was talking about, you know, you guys, and he considers you, you know, one of the old guys. Hoist was the 1.0 version. I, I look at it like com- computers, and he was the 1.0. And then I kind of put Randy Couture and kind of Chuck Liddell in the 2.0. And BJ, you and Josh both, you were the 3.0s because you had more things to bring to the game than, you know, Hoist. Hoist had jujitsu. He didn't have any stand-up. He had zero yeah. stand-up, you know. And then Randy had wrestling, and he, he, he at least could use his stand-up to get into the wrestling, and Chuck would use his wrestling to keep it in the stand-up and then you guys brought in just more and that's just how everything has happened with mma it's kind of like computers it just keeps on getting more and more and what was it like when matt fought hoist were you refing yeah i was what was my heart the whole night like ah you know it was one of those i'll be honest at the time i looked and i said you know, just knowing Matt and knowing what Matt was capable of at the time and knowing Hoist, I just looked and I said, I just don't see a possibility for Hoist to win this fight. And right. that that kind of brought in, you know, his his family was there. You know, I knew his kids. I knew his wife for, you know, since they were dating and stuff. And it was like, you know, when he was down and he was getting punished, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm telling him, hey, you got to move. And it was breaking my heart not to stop it earlier because I don't want to see him get hurt. Right, you know, but right. I, I knew I knew I couldn't do that, and I had to let him go. But it was, you know, it was, it was sad for me. It broke my heart because, you know, when I got mad off of him, and I, I looked at him and I said, "Hey, hey, brother, it's it's okay." And he goes, "It's just a fight, so I lost. It's okay." Right. right? right. And I go, "You're right. Yeah. It's just a fight." And and he had the right mentality about even at that time. It was it's just a fight. It's no big deal. We got to remember that sometimes, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, like John, John's said this a bunch of times to me and not just me, but I mean, we've talked to other fighters about it that have lost. And it's like, look, if the worst thing that happened to you in your life is you lost a fight, you're living a pretty good life. And that's what people Hello. need to remember, man. Like if the, the worst thing in your life is that you lost a fight, there's nothing to be worried about, man. You lived a great yeah. life. And so all those things considered, you know, I, I think about all these things that we've been through, like. You know, BJ and I, like, we've been through a lot. We train with a lot of guys, you know. I remember I remember the Rich Crunkleton memory. He tried to go hard with you one time. And, and, and BJ had him on the – BJ took him down and was just smashing him. And Hobbs, like, Hobbs was yelling to him, hey, BJ, BJ, go go lighter, go lighter. He's like, no, Hobb, no, Hobb. Rich likes to go hard. See, he likes it. He likes it when I go hard on him. He likes to go hard. Let me – he likes it. And he's just looking at Hobb, and he's like, no, no, no. He likes it hard, Hobb. Trust me, he likes it. Like, he likes it this hard because Rich was always trying to take BJ's head off. Those are, those are the – Okay, let's be honest. Rich was not known as the brightest individual in the room. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but Rich was a cool guy, man. He was a He's cool a guy, but guy. he just <laughs> only knew he only knew one pace when it came to fighting. And BJ was, you know, right at the time in uh, in the exactly. <laughs> he did the funkiest stuff, man. You would he would throw spinning back elbows. He would like try and do front cartwheel flips like at your head. Just weird yeah. stuff, but he was he was a cool guy. He was great he to be tough around. Tough as hell. Tough as hell. You know, he was doing all that before people did it, basically. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't as effective as the people that are doing it now, but it, it still did it, you know, but great guy, man, fun guy. I mean, like there's just been so many stories and I tell the story, BJ, I mean, maybe you have a different side of it, but about the first time you and I grappled and it was like, I trained in the night in the night because I, I had a day job. BJ was training during the day and, and they, they would come and tell me at night, Bob would tell me and Hob would tell me, Frank Shower could tell me how great he was, how good he was in jiu-jitsu and how he would just smash, you know, he'd smash Frank, smash Bob, all these guys, you know, in jiu-jitsu. And I was like, ah, oh, he's not that good. I, whatever. Yeah. He, he only trains in the afternoon. He's never going to come train. And then they brought him one night. He came. And so they just basically waited for the the class to be over. And they're like, BJ, go train. I think BJ tapped me like what four or five times in about six, seven minutes, maybe even more, maybe even more than that in less time, or maybe, you know, same amount, but in the less time, who knows? But I just I go back and I was like, man, it was it was just one of those eye-opening experiences, like, okay, I need to quit my day job and start training jujitsu more. <laughs> Hold it, hold it. The last time you told that story, it was you that tapped no. BJ five or six times. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Shit. B knows I wouldn't do him dirty like that. <laughs> here, uh, here I, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you one on BJ when he came to do that seminar. I had a guy who was one of my instructors who was outstanding grappler, really good, was on the world team when they were doing the whole uh you know, they, they would send the whole team over, you know, for uh, grappling. It was the USA Wrestling was kind of doing a whole thing. Yeah. And BJ is grappling with him. And BJ ended up trying to tap him by smother. He kept smothering his mouth and nose and he's pulling him down. And I go, BJ, you got to stop that. He goes, no, this is good. Watch. It's going to work. And it did. And then he just, he just, he just, and I go, that is just so fucking wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, so like what what about is there any stories that you remember in terms of you know the aka time frame and you know and in your time like because you went from from you know winning worlds where you were the first American to ever win worlds in jiu-jitsu and uh you did it in Brazil and no one had ever thought that that was ever gonna happen because you know everyone at the time Brazilian jiu-jitsu was very corrupt in terms of allowing people to win that weren't Brazilian. And so you went over there and dominated the positions and dominated your matches, you know, and came out on top. That's kind of what got you into the into the UFC, right? Because you were the only American to ever win, a, you know, a jiu-jitsu tournament or the, the world jiu-jitsu. That is what got me in, actually. And then uh, Dana said, because I was with John Lewis. John Lewis took me to, he's like, he's like, yeah, I, I, um, I give these private lessons to these um, rich guys. But uh, don't go too hard with me over there. But you can grapple with them, right? John, yeah. John was like, don't try to fucking go all out, motherfucker. You know, we're just going to play around with these guys. So it was Lorenzo and Dana. And then we went in. And then uh, they, they must have just started. I, I I don't even think there were blue belts. And then we're all uh, wrestling around and, and and rolling around and stuff. And and uh, I, mean, I remember from, so Dana knew me from that. And then, and then Dana. Why did you not choke him out harder? Why? What uh, is wrong with you? No. Rich, rich guys, money. Yeah. Uh, I will yeah. let go of this choke if you pay me $1 million. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And then what happened? And then, uh, and then. No, no. So from that, Dana says, oh, yeah, hey, he's the jiu-jitsu world champion. So he liked jiu-jitsu already. He knew John. He says, hey, he's the jiu-jitsu world champion. 
let us um let's let's get him in let's get him in here and 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 uh joe silva said no no don't get him in there no joe silva was against it he, he goes he has that one fight because i did that one fight in stockton yeah i showed fight and then joe didn't want to do it dana was like just put him in and then we went in and i remember they had 30 seconds the first clip it was like me and tony d'souza fought so they had like our two clips and and then uh i remember just thinking that's it i, I made it I'm, I'm the most famous guy in the world the 30s <laughs> the, like I, I bring people over and show them look at that me on tv right there yeah oh? yeah because there was there was you fought joey gilbert i think the first joey fight gilbert in in yeah. the in the ufc yeah and uh then after joey gilbert was dean thomas correct but and then it was carl uno and then you fought jens pulver for the title you yeah. know and uh you know and then from then and then you know then you went then right after that yeah i, I got a Go good ahead. question guys just, just speaking of, just thinking of it you think you sometimes you think oh you know well maybe dana has to act certain ways that he does we 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 He's gone pretty far on each of us, I'm sure, over the years in our own ways that, that we have, we've had disagreements with. We've all here had disagreements with him over the years. If you owned a big company like that, how would you keep all these fighters under control with each guy going to be popping up from this side and that side and this side, right? Coming after how? Yeah, that is a big... What do you guys think about all that stuff? Go ahead, John. <laughs> go ahead, John. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Step, step right into it, John. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it this way. It doesn't matter what you do. There's always going to be people that like you and dislike you. That, that's just part of humanity. And that's the way it is. I always look and say, uh, there's the one thing that I, I, I've always thought of in MMA is guys, you know, for all of a sudden they become part of MMA. And all of a sudden they're tough guys. And it's like, you're not tough. You know, just because you're part of the sport, just because you have a position, be it, you know, you're, you know, someone running a company or you're someone that's in an athletic commission spot or something like that. That doesn't mean you're a tough guy. So stop acting like a tough guy. Okay. Because in reality, you're going off of the fact that you either have power over that fighter or you have a position you know, with government that's going to control the fighter to a point where they're not going to react the way they should in knocking the shit out of you right. based upon what you're saying to them. But, you know, you're going to get those ones where you, you do, just don't agree with, you know, personality-wise, you don't agree and stuff, and, and that's going to happen. But I've always looked at, hey, treat people the way you want to be treated. Right. You know, treat treat everybody with respect. You know, if they don't return the respect and fine, we'll deal with you that way. Sometimes, and Dana is, is a guy that, look, there's guys that love him. And there's guys that hate him. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't hate Dana. I don't, but I do know that sometimes he needs to understand the power of his words. Cause he does, he understands it. And sometimes he doesn't understand how much he's hurting somebody with what he's saying. Cause he's trying to be honest in his opinion, but it's just his opinion but it carries a lot of weight and he's got to be careful with it. Cause I mean, it can be treated as the truth in the media. Yep. Even if it's right. not like, I mean, somebody could give me a big boxing fight and he could just say, well, fucking BJ, he could say, well, that was the greatest fucking 
fighter when he was fucking, you know, or he could fucking say something bad and try to fuck you up, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I did what an he, interview. We, what he said, what he says hurts. You know, right? if, if if Dana went and said, you know, if if you got a big boxing match coming up, and Dana goes and says, oh, let's be honest, you know, BJ, you know, he hasn't won a fight in this, and he's old and he's slow. It hurts. Yeah. You know, because it's someone that you know. It's not like it's somebody that is, you know, just out there, you know, on the internet. This is somebody you know and you've dealt with and you've had a you've had a relationship with. And when they're saying it, it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think this is what look along the way though, B, you had a lot to do with this. And people and you need to re, you need to be reminded of this, I think, as well. Yeah, that, he didn't have a lot to do with this. Yeah, yeah, everything you, to do you with had this. you had almost everything to do with this. He's the way he is, though, because you bounced and took the title with you um, when you fought Matt Hughes, and that bothered him because he didn't have a clause in his contract that said you can't leave if you're the champion. They changed the contracts because of the things that you did throughout your career. There's a lot of things that, that you did that changed the way because you had them by the short and curlies, and if you guys don't know what short and curlies are, you guys got to look it up. He had them by the balls. Because BJ was the man at the time, beating after beating somebody who was, I think Matt Hughes is an eight or a nine-time world yeah. champion who people thought was unbeatable at the time. You beat him and bounced and went off and started your own promotion. You start, made tons more money than you were making in the UFC, fighting in K1, fighting guys like Dwayne Ludwig. You re, you you set the rules basically, and when you came back, that that made Dana hard in terms of it pissed him off, but it also made him a lot more wise on how they handled fighters contracts. So a lot of what they do now is based around the stuff that you laid the groundwork for. So I want to thank you and also say, I hate you at the same time, but, <laughs> but in reality, it's true. You helped change. You changed the game. Yeah. They got ready from that. You know, well, you know what? I think it's been a while now, but yeah, it was because I, it was, it was uh, like 25 and 25 for like a bunch of fights in a row. And, yeah. and uh, Juan Matthews and then, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, you, you wow, the champion now. And then and say, okay, well, let's, 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 let's do something. And then, and then we kept trying to put something together. And then they said, okay, 30 and 30. And I was just, wait, we just, we just did, we just did all those times. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> on the phone trying to put it together in my head you know so that's just kind of how things things started in back then but yeah and then and then you what then you went over to k1 then you went to rumble you did your own rumble in the rock thing and you and you made more money i mean how much money did you make fighting Dwayne ludwig exactly Don't ask him how much money but made. no but that's the thing is i already know what he made so that's the thing the reason why i'm saying that is because i already know what he made but the bottom line is it was a lot more than what they were offering you to fight somebody who wasn't matt hughes like right? level you know and what I mean, then, and and Dwayne Ludwig kind of fighting him was kind of like a um, a lineal championship in a way because he knocked out Pulver, he never lost it. He knocked out Pulver, then I fought him in K1, and then I I just fought Gomi. So I just fought Gomi. He knocked out Pulver. Was kind of a lineal championship, you know. Yeah. But it was weird when they when K1 said, "Hey, we want you to come fight over here," and then. They say, okay. I say, okay, who am I going to fight? And they say, that other guy from America. That other guy. Oh, shit. That's oh. true, though. That's true. Um. All right, man. Well, hey, we're going to wrap this up and just want to say thanks for coming on. Is there anything you want to say? I know no. BJPen.com. You guys check out the news source and uh, what else? 
Please, bjpen.com. And yeah, I just want to thank you guys. I've known you guys both for a long time. Thank you. That's why I jumped on right away. So thank you guys. BJ, we want to thank you for uh, being on and just let you know, man, you are still one of the icons of the sport. You will always be. And God bless you for everything you did and everything you're doing. I hope you're doing well, brother. Thank you. All right, my man. Give give the girls my love, man. Good luck with the fams and uh give your give your pops my blessings as well. Hope he's doing well. Love you guys. Take it easy, brother. Talk soon. Later, baby. Now we want to talk about one of our sponsors that we love the product. It is fume. It is the best way for anyone out there that is a smoker to quit smoking and vaping naturally. What they have are these essential oil cores. It replaces the hand-to-mouth habit that you'll get from smoking or vaping. There's flavorful blends from plants. You curb the nicotine cravings with the black pepper. They've got menthol sensation, which I love, with the peppermint and eucalyptus. The stress relief is lavender and cinnamon. No smoking, no vaping, no nicotine, no harmful chemicals to anybody that is using it or anybody that's around you while you use it. It's a fantastic product. I love the stuff. No chemicals, just plants. That's what makes it, and that's what makes it safe. You need to head to www.breathefume, and fume is fum.com forward slash weighing in, and use the promo code weighing in to get your 10% off of your order. When you use that weighing in, you can get all of the essential oil cores. You can get the actual you know, breathing apparatus that is part of the fume. It's a, it comes from Canada. It's a wood. It's beautifully done. Everything about fume has been beneficial to me. I believe it's been beneficial to Josh. And Josh, you know that you have people, even with COVID, that fume has actually made a difference in them recovering. Yeah, a lot of people that I know, friends and family that have lost their sense of smell and taste from COVID have used this and have tried it and said that it has helped bring back their smell and their taste. So that's one benefit of it. This wasn't some, this was something we weren't aware of when we had actually signed to work with Fume. And this was one of the things that helped us worry that we are in, in, get us to sign with fume. We love the fact that this has also helps with the COVID situation. For me, it helps with my nasal issues because I have nasal issues when I sleep. It helps clear my nasal cavity before I before I go to bed. So I use this a little bit. And like you said, the number one thing is the no smoke. It's harmless to have around kids, which is perfect. Yep. So I can use this in the car. Don't have to worry about smoke being in the car if you have kids or family or anyone that you care about in the car. So this is perfect. Make sure you guys use that promo code Wayne in when you guys use it for that additional 10% off and you guys enjoy. Yeah. Get go. There is the quit naturally pack that they have. You get one of the fume prominence. That's the actual device you're going to use to breathe in the essential oils with those cores. You'll get one pack of conquer one pack of peppermint black pepper. And there's a white cranberry that is brand new. It is outstanding. I hope you try it. I hope you like it. It's awesome to us. Can't say anything more about it. It's great. All right, we are lucky enough to have a guy that has been part of the MMA game on the inside for so many years. It doesn't mean he's that old because he started off when he was young. But Rich Chow has been there for Rumble on the Rock. He was one of the guys that managed BJ Penn, a guy that has been there throughout with the lead XC, been the Bellator matchmaker, and is now one of the head guys with the Wimp to Warrior program. What is happening, Mr. Rich Chow? What's up, fellas? John, thank you. That's a hell of an intro. 
I might need you to introduce me at every function from now on, man. That was that was awesome. You just made my day, buddy. Thank you. Right on, baby. Well, that's some nice shorts you got up there over your shoulder there. I kind of recognize those from some guy. I don't know who he is, but I, I do remember somebody. Yeah, you know what? I'm uh, I'm in my son's room, which is actually the coolest room in the house. So it worked out. Um, my office in the living room was taken over. It's power hour over here. You know what I'm talking about, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> the kids are running around. We've got the in-laws over. So I've been um, uh, pushed into my son's room, Ollie's room. But like I said, it happens to be the coolest room in the house anyway. So it yeah. all worked out. Um, so I guess, I guess let's just jump right into it, man. There's a lot of stuff that we want to talk to you about, but the very first thing I want to talk to you about, you and I were rapping in the car earlier and you're like, let's just, I, you're, you kept telling me, let's just save it for the show. And then we carried on for another five minutes. Okay. Let's yeah. save it for the show. Another five minutes. And we just kept mumbling on. I was like, oh shit. 20 minutes yeah. later, we're like, okay, okay. Let's save the rest for the show. Um, the comparisons right now with BJ Penn, you got his shorts there behind you. You know, he was, uh, famous for ha- creating, like having those shorts brought out with the black belt. You know, around him, that's really what he made iconic was the white shorts, the black belt. You see guys like Benson Henderson using them. You see other fighters use them before also. But when the comparison comes to guys like Khabib versus BJ, I think stylistically, when you put the two of those guys in the era, um, in each other's era in terms of being in their prime, they match up very well. And I think a lot of people right now are saying because – it's current. Khabib is obviously the more dominant fighter or the guy that would, would have smashed BJ. But what those people are looking at is the fights that BJ ended his career on and not the fights and the stuff that he did during the prime of his career. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a, uh, you know, the, the, the best thing we, we saw was the last thing we saw. Right. I think that's very common these days and people forget about, about the past. And uh, especially in, in our sport where there's so many new fans, you know, they, they don't remember those moments that, that you're referring to that we were all amazed by. Um, people don't, don't, you know, modern fans don't realize that they just kind of saw the, uh, the last several years, um, which, you know, certainly weren't his best. And when you look at him on paper today, you know, he's a journeyman, right? You really have to talk to the right people. And, you know, hopefully this will be a nice history lesson for a new fan who, who might not truly know, BJ's um, greatness and how he changed the game and what he brought to the table. But, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, you know, for all you new fans out there who may not know who BJ Penn is or what his career was really about, he's probably your favorite fighter. He's your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, just people love him in the community. But I get when you're a journalist, you know, um, media members, you're writing about legacy, you're writing about all these other things. And it's kind of difficult to capture that when you look at how things ended up. So I, I certainly understand that part of it. But I'm glad you guys are bringing it up. And and because I think BJ deserves to have um, have the um, recognition. Um, people need to be reminded, but but not not just him, but several other legends that I'm sure we could uh, talk about in the future that people have forgotten. And it's like, hey, hold on, guys you know, let's, let's not rewrite history or forget history or kind of cherry pick, um, you know, certain greats like BJ from the past really need to be recognized. This is one of the things that when I talk to you, I love about you, Rich is you're so educated and so knowledgeable about the sport. Sometimes it pisses me out because you're so (laughs) rational about it, 
drives me crazy. It's like, don't be that logical. I want you to be nuts like me. It's but so true. It's when when we talk about the guys from the past and we talk about BJ and what BJ could do. Because I always said that at a certain point, you know, in his career or, you know, just a point in time in the sport, BJ Penn had the skill set. If you were going to say, I could take one skill set from just one fighter and use just what they possess. I always said it was BJ Penn would be the guy I would pick because he possessed an incredible stand-up game because he had power in his hands. He had a great chin. He had a you know super heavy you know jab and right hand was strong. Never had the greatest kicks, but his wrestling was fantastic even though he wasn't a wrestler. And his jiu-jitsu was remarkable. At a certain point, there was nobody that could touch him. He had everything. Yeah, in his prime, he was the best fighter in the world. And that prime BJ is still one of the all-time uh, greats and certainly worthy of of, uh, of the Khabib conversation. Definitely. You know, yeah. that moment. You know, uh, yeah, it's it's a real conversation. For those that dismiss it, um, you know, maybe we got to, again, give him, a, give him a history lesson. And again, this isn't taking anything away from Khabib. He's one of my favorite no. fighters. He's a, an awesome person. This is more about BJ than it is about Khabib, in my opinion. Yeah, because the conversation, and, that, and that, I'm agreeing with you right there, is, is that a lot of people need to understand that we're not, we're not taking anything away from what Khabib did. There's, there's nothing to be taken away. John and I have said this several times, and you and I actually talked about it, I talked about it earlier today with you, is he has been the most dominant fighter at 155 that has ever existed. He, he, he basically hadn't lost a round, you know, I think up until the Connor fight, and people could say that he really just took that round off because he tried to smash Connor's head in at the end of the second round, you know, and he tried to get him out of there and just took the third round off. He's been the most dominant fighter, but like, you know, that what BJ was doing, BJ was not trying to be the most dominant fighter. He was trying to be the best fighter worldwide in terms of it didn't matter what weight class it was. And that era of fighting, and because I was part of that era, is that we didn't do it because we wanted just to be the best. We wanted, we did it because we loved it. Like, if we weren't fighting honestly in, in the gym, we weren't fighting in the cage. Who's to say we were sometimes fighting out the clubs? Sometimes we were out in the street. Sometimes, and you oh, saw yeah. that. First off, not that. sometimes, Josh. Let's not be sometimes, honest. Quite a bit. Yeah, it was quite <laughs> a bit. I know. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, you know? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think his fighting spirit is uh, isn't talked about enough. It's under it's it's underappreciated. And you're right. Back then, a lot of guys didn't talk about legacy. It didn't. You just fought. You fought and took on the biggest challenge and. You know, I think the reason why um, he has the diehard fans that he does are the guys that remember that, you know, I mean, who he's fought at 145 all the way to heavyweight. Yeah. It's insane. There are very few guys that have done that. And he always wanted the biggest, baddest guy. I I was you know, lucky enough to be involved in some of these conversations. And in the moment, I'm just like, holy shit, what? What is wrong you with know? you? Yes. Like, <laughs> hey, everyone says George St. Pierre, he's the. He's the biggest, baddest guy on the planet. I, I want him. Like, we don't see that enough. You know, yeah. um, again, the, the, the business has evolved and it's changed quite a bit. And I understand why there's so much, you know, things are held up. And and he was just a guy that 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 he, he just wanted to fight. And it's big business now, though. So, again, no knock on, you know, the guys these days that are hesitant to take certain fights or, you know, it, it's it. Hey, what one could argue that from a business standpoint, 
all those moves may not have been the right ones. But, you know, when you talk about his fighting spirit, it's second to none. You know, it's um, it's uh, truly remarkable when you really look at just how fearless he was. And, um, yeah, I think that's something that is uh, is not talked about enough because you, you do look at the record. You know, I get it. Media members need to write about um, the all time greats and consistency and um, legacy. And he may not exactly fit um, into that narrative, but. You know, I guess that's what this conversation is about. And, and um, you know, hopefully we can shed some light on that. The number one thing, like not the number one thing, but one of the things I'd like to shed light on is that like he helped structure how these UFC contracts are written now because he had beat Matt Hughes and he had bounced out with the title and started his own promotion and be, and just flew in top level talent and, and just basically created something with rumble on the rock that was later then sold right to elite xc and purchased i mean by them for we won't even talk about the amount of money but then also then turned into something that was on showtime he created something with you guys with you and with his brothers and you know his family and stuff they helped create that not just the promotion but they also helped structure how the ufc does business yeah you're absolutely right that was a big deal um for him to leave and, and, and go sign that deal with K1. And, and obviously the UFC wasn't happy about it. Um, uh, just it, it, but it, it, it did launch rumble on the rock. Yeah. You're um, definitely right about that. So for me, it was a great opportunity at that time to be lucky enough to get a chance to um, not only get into the promotional side of things with his family, with JD really leading the charge there, his, his older brother, but also to be a part of all these camps with BJ where you know, we were helping organize these things, structure them, bringing the guys in, sitting down, strategizing. That was a big, big part of 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 why I'm here today. Those things I learned. I mean, I I, I got a chance to 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 really learn from and be around and help out the best fighter in the world at the time, and and all the things I learned on the promotional side as well. It was just a really the foundation that I had. I'm so grateful for it, and I'm very lucky that I was able to be. Um, with those guys at the time and that it all played out the way it did. Cause I learned a hell of a lot of things that, you know, for example, all those camps, you were there, Josh, that's how we yeah. met. You know, yeah. I, I got a chance at a very early age to see what high level was like, it really helped create this bar for me. Like he was always bringing in the best guys, right? The best coaches, the best training partners. And, and it was just amazing to be around to, to occasionally be able to train with everyone. But but just to just to be there was um, and absorb all that information and knowledge was was amazing for me. So, because what you what run it, into, right? Go ahead. Sorry, John. Not, I'm just saying, what what did it do for you? Because you were part of bringing in some of the talent that was brought in to Rumble on the Rock and to get those fights, those matchups, and everything that you guys had. What was it like to have to you know in bringing in that talent? Because you had the guy that everybody wanted to fight. You had the guy that was the guy. And what did that do in in helping you learn about matchmaking and what it was like to get someone to fight another guy that was up in that upper level when you were doing it in Bellator? Yeah, you know what's interesting is uh, you approach it, you know, in that in exactly that way, you know, like like from a matchmaking standpoint, you know, you sit down, um, strategize, like, okay, who's the opponent? What's their style? Who are the other guys out there that have a similar style? Um, you know, and, and, and who are some other guys that could, could, could give us different looks, bring in, you know, 
um, help us maybe not, you know, he might not be the perfect fit and have that exact same style, but, you know, this person could bring in something that we could benefit and learn from and, and utilize. So yeah, that, the, the strategy at that level and, and analyzing and breaking down fighters, their skill sets, um, developing those relationships, it, it really allowed me to become a, a matchmaker at this level, you know, to go from Rumble on the Rock to Elite XC to Strike Force and to Bellator. I, if I didn't have that education, if I wasn't around those guys at that time, um, and, 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 and have had that opportunity to learn everything, I don't think I would be here today. Like it was invaluable that, that experience. And, and we approached it in that manner from, at least for me, from like a matchmaker standpoint of, um, styles, you know, Hey, who can we bring in that, that can mimic him? But, but like, and who would I bring in that could beat you? You know what I mean? Yep. Like, approaching it that way instead of just randomly saying oh that guy's cool that guy's cool let's see if he'll come and train um so yes it was very um cerebral and it was very strategic um as, as you know as far as fight camps goes obviously during the 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 um, off time when there wasn't a fight coming up it was just bringing whoever's really cool and let's learn from them let's bring in who's the best coach right now who's the best jujitsu guy who's the best wrestler let's track this dude down see if he wants to come to hawaii <laughs> that was hard. not a hard sell. Yeah, that was a hard sell right there. Oh, and, and let's let's um learn from them. So uh what what an opportunity, man. What a what an education that I got early on. That's the bent the one thing when you're talking about that, some fighters at the level that which BJ was at at that time, it doesn't matter. It could have been Matt Hughes, it could have been GSP. If their coaches or, or their management would have said, hey, let's bring in an Olympic caliber wrestler and have you train with this guy, they probably sometimes would say, yeah, that's a cool idea. Until the Olympic caliber wrestler got there and started taking them down and destroying them and dominating them, be like, yeah, I don't want this anymore. They would start arguing over like, no, I don't want I don't want a Canelo to come in and box my ears off. Like that was the difference between what BJ, for me, from what I saw, is that it didn't matter who he always wanted the best guys. And when I went out there a couple of times, like guys that I had never even heard of, and I realized how damn good they were, the Mendez brothers, they're out there training with BJ. I was like, these guys, and I never even heard of them yet, but they were fucking so good. Gi or no Gi, it didn't matter. Like no Gi, they were just, it, I felt like, I, and I was at, I felt at the time when I was out there, when they were there, I was like, man, I, I had already, I just beat Nate. And I was kind of in that, that position of like, or right before I had fought Nate, I was like almost on, I was on, I felt like I was on my way up. You know, I was right there doing well. These guys made me feel like on the ground, like I didn't know shit, you know, and BJ always had, like you said, the best guys out there. And didn't matter if he thought you were, if you were better than him or if it was, he didn't care. He wanted you there because he wanted to absorb knowledge. That's something that's hard to find in top level guys. Yeah, absolutely. The guy was a sponge. He, he really, truly did love and appreciate the game. Um, I don't think that's talked about as well, you know, with him. Um, yeah, it, it was, uh, I mean, that camp that you're referencing, I want to say it was the uh, Rory McDonald camp. Um, who else was out there? For example, you know, Tyron Woodley, you, Pat Healy, Ben Askren. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple guys. Um, so forgive me if you were there and I'm, I'm leaving you out, but it, you know, my point is just a bunch of badasses, man, you yeah. know, just elite level guys and, and, and obviously really good people. And it was just like that consistently for a decade plus, man. Yeah. 
guy's just coming in. He'd call, hey, so-and-so's coming tomorrow. I just got off the phone with them. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it's awesome. Because I think yeah. it was what was cool was people recognized his his um high skill level, his appreciation for technique and whatnot. So they wanted to go hang out in Hawaii, of course, but also learn from him. So it was always this really fun exchange um, of technique and knowledge. Um, and then some guys, sometimes guys would just randomly show up. Yeah. So it was, it was always, um, it was a very memorable time for me. I feel like these days you just don't see that that much, you know, teams are so structured. Um, yes, guys do cross train, but for the most part, guys just kind of, you know, that that's not as encouraged anymore, right? Yeah. It's kind of discouraged. You don't, you don't really see that as much. Yeah. The one stat that you gave me today is something that I didn't even consider and think of was he had just beaten uh, somebody and then he went up and fought and beat that person as well at a different weight class. So let's put this in perspective. Like you go ahead and put it in perspective on what you were talking about today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously we're all there and we all um, remember the fights, but what I forgot about was the timeline. So I, um, I, uh, saw this on Twitter a few weeks ago and, um, uh, gosh, I forget uh, who, who, who mentioned it, but I believe, you know, BJ beats Gomi who at the time, you know, he beats him in rumble on the rock and it was dominant. Remember how much hype there was leading up to that. Choked him unconscious. Uh, and before, and, and he just pumped him. He was a yeah. bloody mess until he finally put him out of his misery. And, and, you know, at that time, Gomi was really regarded as the, um, the top uh, lightweight in the world. And, uh, you know, a very one-sided fight that BJ dominated. And shortly after he goes from fighting the top lightweight in the world and beating him in Hawaii to then fighting Matt Hughes and beating Matt Hughes for the, for the UFC title, um, here, I actually pulled it up. Let's let's look at the date. That dates. was UFC 46, wasn't it? Yeah. So Okay, yeah. so October 10th, 2000, 2003, he beats Gomi. And then January 31st, 2004, he beats Matt Hughes. So not even six months. No. And I would challenge you to find a, a more impressive back-to-back, -back, you know, um, fight schedule and, and wins – yeah, it's tough. Well, no, let's, tough. let's just let's talk about this though. It's look, we've seen fighters go from 145 to 155 and not have success. Guys like Max, who, who walk around big, you know, and they, to get there and then not have success at 155. And nothing against, I'm not trying to dig at Max at all. This is all due respect. But it's anytime you have a fighter go from, especially in, especially during that time when you're going against someone like a Matt Hughes, who's known for being strong physically strong you know and a great wrestler for you to go from 155 to go to 170 which is a 15 pound jumps not even a 10 pound jump that's remarkable within a six month period and then not only that but then win the title yeah let, let's put it in um uh in in a modern perspective here uh it's patricio pitbull um beating michael chandler or you know um yeah you know having a a, a dominant title defense um and then in three months, you know, moving up to fight Amosov now, you know, yeah. like that would, that's, that's just not going to happen. And on the flip side, it's Oliveira beating Poirier and then going up, you know, beating to fight Usman. Usman. That's not happening in three months. That's just, you know, good night, guys. That's <laughs> great. I mean, that, that's just not happening. So yeah. it, it's, you know, that that's something. Yeah, that's an interesting stat. Again, thanks for bringing it up, Josh. I can't take credit 
for the for it but man it really caught my eye and put things more in perspective right like that's just not you know most guys are not doing that if 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 anybody today well, they're sh they're shying away from that that type of challenge because they like you said a lot of fighters now are talking about the media right now is talking about legacy during that time there was there was no talk about legacy it was about hey this guy says i'm the, he's the best guy well no f you i'm gonna show you i'm the better guy and i don't care what weight class i have to go to do it bj was that guy and and like i said i'm not trying to take anything away from khabib or anybody else that i think khabib like we've said is the most dominant fighter at that weight class it's sad that we didn't get to see him go i think we would have been able to see him go maybe to a higher weight class if his father had lived on if his dad had lived and he didn't make the promise to his mom and that whole that whole scenario i think it would be different i think he would have continued to fight yeah things happen but um but to, to go based off of what we know that is a that's a huge stat because we know in this day and age that fighters not going to go from Oliveira's not going to Oliveira's not going to fight Dustin Poirier and then three months later say I'm going to beat up Usman. Yeah, yeah, it's but well, uh, it's also the the other part that you got to look at and it's you know it's not only he's going to go and fight and win, he's going to finish because he finished both of them with rear naked chokes yeah. and he put Gomi out, he beat Gomi up and. When he took Matt Hughes' back in that, you know, fight, Matt had no idea what BJ did to get to his back. I mean, it took his back, got the choke, and just dominated the guy that was unbeatable because, you know, you got to figure Matt Hughes had gone through guys like Mox Sakurai. They brought in Sakurai one fight to try to beat, you know, to see if he could beat Matt Hughes and stuff. Matt was incredible at that time. Yeah, he was the most dominant welterweight in UFC history. He's yep. uh, one of the all-time at that you know at that time. He was the man, right? He was just smashing everybody. BJ was a huge dog in that one, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a really that was a hell of a run. Um, yeah, very impressive. Uh, and again, this isn't about. There are really amazing fighters today, man. They're the, the skill level is higher than it's ever been, right? Can we agree on that? Where MMA is at today. Crazy. Skill level is is at an all time high. This isn't about their greatness. This is about um, you know the underappreciated career of of BJ in twenty twenty one. You know where where modern fans are dismissing that it would even that it's even a conversation. Well, right? I, I was uh, trying to put it in perspective, like if for other people that watch other sports as well, like say football. To say that Jim Brown would have been as, as successful now in this NFL that he was back then is just it would not be the same because and that's not fair to compare with BJ as well against Khabib because it's a different different style fighters are different Jim Brown like the kid the guys now that are in the NFL they're bigger stronger faster yeah. they would have they would have caught him from behind you know they wouldn't have been ran over as easy I mean the linebackers. Now and then, you know, even the even the safeties, they're all walking around pretty decent sizes now, and they're all extremely fast. Offensive or defensive linemen now are extremely fast. They're all running four fours. You know, I mean, that's these that's insane to think. Like the sports have come this far, so it's not it's not a fair comparison when you're comparing him to, against Khabib. But I, what I was the comparison that I'd like to make is just that he was somebody that did he did things he marched to his own drum kind of thing. You know, like he said. He left. He he left the UFC. They created a new contract. The way the fighters' contracts are written is because of a lot of the stuff that he did, you know. And you can love him or hate him for that if you're a fighter. As we would I was like to say, say, there's a lot of fighters that are not happy with BJ. They're not happy that. with that situation, <laughs> yeah. you know. But yeah. you know, there's that. And then, 
But then you also look at it that he never shied away from it. And that's something that I think a lot of fighters in this day just I don't know if they can wrap their heads around. And you said it very, very, uh, very well said when you said he's probably the favorite fighter of your favorite fighter, because that's probably what probably what they got addicted to watching. You know, when they were watching the UFC back in the day, the way he walked, you know, with the just scrap shirts on from the locker room, you know, twitching his eye and, you know, and touching his nose and this, you know, like those are things that fighters that fighters remember about the legacy of certain fighters. And, and he just had that swagger about him, you know, and just came in. He always wanted to fight the best guy and his trash talk was some of the best, even though it was just, it just had that, that, that Hawaiian accent to it. You know, one of the best was when he was doing, I think it was the 24 seven for one of the GSP fights. And, uh, and he tells, uh, he's telling the story about how he was laying in bed. Who was he talking to? What's a GSP's coach's name? For us, for us, he's like, yeah, I'm laying in bed and I'm just looking up at the side, you know, up at the up at the ceiling, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I could just tell Faraz one thing, it would be, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and it was, it was like a quick little one liner that just got, I got everybody up and the crowd went crazy. People were talking about it. it's just, it was just one of those things, man. Like he had a way about him. Like, you know, and like Khabib does too, you know, bring your chicken, you know, bring your chicken. I smashed this chicken, your chicken boy, your number one. Yeah. Yeah, like send those location. Kind of, I love yeah, that. Send location, send location. Send location. Number it. one, yeah. this guy, number one bullshit. Like yeah. just, it's a different type. Exactly. Like these are all things that you're, when you think about legacy, I think about those type of things, you know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say that one is better than the other. I said, I told BJ this when we had him on, I said, you guys are definitely one and two. How you guys place yourself? Fuck, I don't care. I don't care if one says I'm better and the other one says this. You're splitting hairs at different times, different eras. Yeah, yeah look, it's it's uh, everyone's going to have their goat, and, and that's yeah. the beauty of it. And and I think we just want to have an intellectual discussion about it, right? Let's 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 have a real conversation about it. But yeah, if, if someone says Khabib's their goat, I mean, it's no problem. Yeah, GSP, even John, you know, John Jones. I know he's kind of fallen out of the conversation, you know, lately, but hey, those are all amazing guys. You know, yeah. it's it's a real conversation. But you know, it's really what's your style, you know, just there's so many things that factor into why is this guy your favorite guy, right? It's yeah. uh you know, it's it's all good. Let's talk about what you are doing now because you are with a program, the Wimp to Warrior program. Tell us about what you have going on right now. All right, guys. Now we're going to talk about mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in, and they will give you an extra bonus. If you guys scan this barcode here, this one right here, if you guys scan that one, they'll give you an, a little bit of extra spending cash with that barcode there. So make sure you go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code Wayne in, and scan that barcode for an, an additional money on gambling. So if you guys want to go ahead and use that, Get that little extra cash, but there's football coming up now that it has started. We've got basketball coming back around. There's obviously there's fights almost every weekend. You can bet on Bellator next week. You can bet on the UFCs. You can bet on the PFLs. You can bet on every single event there is. I mean, shoot, even during the election time, they had voting for they had different types of stuff on to vote on for the, the election. So we've got plenty of stuff to vote on. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in for that additional cash and use that barcode right there wimp to warrior we um we are transforming lives through martial arts through mixed martial arts 
uh, through training. We are bringing something that uh, is sometimes very intimidating, um, which is training. I mean, we all know, right? You know, we're all here today. We've all come this far because of our love and our passion for martial arts. And we all started off as uh, practitioners, right? It's a powerful, amazing, transformative force that sometimes isn't the easiest to um, bring over to the everyday person. So what we do is we try to get the everyday person to train, try to break down some of these barriers that prevent them from training. And uh, the way we do that is we partner with elite level academies all over the world. We help them market, um, we help them you know, promote the program and we help drive people to these academies to take this program on. It's a 20 week program that ends with an amateur fight. Now, you don't have to fight, but I will tell you that most people, people that you that will definitely surprise you, you would never expect them to step in there. They are stepping in there. I'm talking about grandmothers. Oh, <laughs> shit, yeah. you not, fellas. There are two grandmothers um, that have gone through the program so far. One is in Australia. One is in Kalispell, Montana. I was at her fight. I was at her finale um, for SBG Kalispell uh, in May. This grandmother has two amateur fights. She has more of a technical understanding and more fight experience than just about than most people in the in the fight business. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and again, that's not you know throwing anyone under the bus. It's just more about her. You know, yeah. like she can break down a fight and technique better than most people that keep this industry going. I found that interesting. Uh, there was a fifty-year-old man that fought that night, like. Currently at, at, at one of John Cavanaugh's gyms, there's an amazing man who is an amputee. He's got a blade. He's training every day. He's showing up. He's figuring it out. He's learning. Um, yeah, we are, we are getting people that would normally never get on the mat and learn. Our goal, our mission is to get them on the mat, is to drive them to these amazing gyms, have these gyms get more business, more exposure and giving these people um, an amazing experience. That's very, you know, that could be potentially life-changing. So we're in the middle of all this, you know, bringing people to these great gyms. And uh, that's, that's, that's our core. That's our mission to help grow MMA through this process. A lot of what people don't understand is that you really don't, you will never really know much about yourself until you've been into a fight. Now, whether it's just a wrestling match or jitsu match, but I've, I've always felt that one-on-one -on -one competitive sports is one thing that you will learn the most about yourself internally. And I just did an interview this morning with uh, Corey Anderson's uh, wife, who's doing a, a small little podcast that she's just starting. And when I was talking to her, I said, look, in my first fight, I had bragged to everybody that I was going to beat this guy. I was going to knock him out with a head kick and this and that. And I was a wrestler with decent jujitsu at the time. I'd only been training uh, Muay Thai for like six months. Thought I was a Muay Thai guy all of a sudden, like Gerald Strebent when I fought. I was going to say you're you Gerald Strebent. <laughs> I thought, you know, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to go out there. He won't be able to take me down. And I don't, it was one, it was, it was a one minute. It was a, sorry, it was a 10 minute round, but it was one round. And like, well, a minute left, they did the whole clack, clack, but it was a minute left, you know? And I like, yeah. So I stood up and I let the guy up. I was ground pounding him at the time. I basically stood up out of Mount and just stood up and just show everyone that, you know, my friends and everyone that I invited that I was going to knock him out. And I threw the head kick and slipped. He got my back and he hit me and I try, I tripoded up and he slid off. And when he slid off, he caught me in a, in a inverted triangle and I tapped 
with less than a minute left. And it was eye-opening because what you're talking about, Rich, for me, it was more, it was the one-on-one. I was willing to to give up the win of the fight to showboat to people that I had invited to come there to embarrass this one person. And what it did was it taught me a lot about myself is that, hey, you couldn't have been more of a bigger piece of shit at that moment in your life. And so, but honestly, that's kind of what humbled me along the way in trying to become a better fighter throughout that. I was like, look, I lost that fight. It took me almost a year. I paid 25 bucks to fight too, you know? And I, it's like, that was the thing I went in thinking that I'm going to dominate this guy and this, that, but I learned a lot about myself and as an individual and got me all the way up into the UFC. I mean, I basically hadn't, hadn't lost a fight up until I got to the UFC, you know, until that, until it, that was the first fight I lost. I hadn't lost a fight since until I got to the UFC. It was one of those eye opening experiences of when, you just know that you learned a lot from yourself. And it a, was a one-on-one conversation I had to have with myself several times that you're not a piece of shit. Don't do things like that to people, you know, and you have the desire to go out there, but you can be beaten at any time. And anybody at any time can get you. It doesn't matter if you're winning for nine minutes or nine and a half minutes. You've got to make sure that they're fully finished and that you're not that person to try to embarrass people. Like those things will backfire on you through karma, just through everything. And what you guys are doing, because a lot of top level gyms, city kickboxing, right? In uh in uh um New Zealand. In, in New Zealand. I keep wanting to say Australia. In New Zealand, they're they're with you guys. They have a huge program there. You have SBG in Ireland, right? They have a huge program yeah. there. They're building with John Kavanaugh and Kavanaugh as long and there's a lot of other SBGs that are here in the States, like you said, in Montana that are also doing this. You've, you guys have grown quite a bit and you guys are doing a great job. Oh, thanks, Josh. You know, shout out to, uh, since you mentioned them, yeah, Eugene Berriman, the guys at City Kickboxing. Um, they've successfully sold out several um, uh, programs and series to where they have a wait list. They throw amazing finales. They're really changing people's lives over there while at, while simultaneously um, coaching some of the best fighters in the world. It's truly amazing. John um, Kavanaugh over in, in Ireland right now across his three gyms has about 150 people in the program currently. Jeez. Wow. And like, yes, it's amazing. So we're having tremendous success internationally. It's my job to uh, really help us grow here in uh, North America. And as you mentioned, Josh, with that experience that humbled you, that that gave you that moment to really sit down and put things in perspective. While a lot of our competitors are not trying to pursue a fight career, we all know the things that you learn on the mat and the things you learn in competition. Um, like you said, you're, you'll be a different person after this program and after you fight, and those things can help you out in life. And I firmly believe that the world would be a better place if more people trained. And I, I really feel like we need it now more than ever. I mean, every time I hop on, it's kind of sad what I see out there, man. It's sad. People do need more respect, hu- humility. Yeah. More people need to train. That's the way I see it. So we need, uh, and, and of course, the whole mental health aspect, right? I think people, we all know the true benefits of training are just aren't physical. You don't just get in shape, but I feel like um, it helps you mentally, spiritually. So, hey, it might sound a little corny or whatever, but I really do feel like if more people trained, I'm not saying you got to go out and be a pro fighter, but if more people trained and humbled themselves through this process, the world would be a better place. If more well, people trained, the internet and social media would be completely different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. You John. Would be talking shit, you know. Oh, no, exactly. Pro fighters to 
people that are experts in their fields, like you'd be a little more humbled and grounded. Um, it, look, it does provide for some pretty cool entertainment and funny yeah. you know, moments yeah. from time to time. But overall, man, I, 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 you know, um, I got to hop off sometimes. I'm like, yeah. man, this is like, what is going on? Like, yeah, we need more hu humility, um, you know, uh, just, just patience, all the things that you learn on the mat. Right. Well, this is what it, it comes down to. This is that I give you guys an example from just my perspective. I'm sure some other fighters have had the same perspective. When I was younger, I walked around with a chip on my shoulder thinking I could fight. And then I went and lost to a guy who was O and O like I was O and O at the time. I lose to a guy who wasn't as good as me, but just beat me because I made a, a mental mistake and just was being an idiot. Then you go and you train more and you get better. And then, but during that time, right? You're, I'm still fighting in nightclubs. I'm still fighting on the street. I'm still doing dumb things. But as you got better and as you start winning more fights and as you get more skills, what happens is you, you find it less important to prove to others that you're a badass because you already know you are. So the more knowledge you absorb, the more you get better in terms of jujitsu, kickboxing, wrestling, all of those things, you be humbles you a lot more because you have a lot more respect for people that are good at jiu-jitsu, guys that are good at wrestling. And you know the level that you are just walking around amongst guys that really, and females also, that know exactly what the hell they're doing. You think Joe Blow at the bar has had five drinks, is going to beat you up? That shit ain't happening. That's That that was one of the biggest learning things that, that, that matured me as a person, you know, and just made me realize that it, I don't need to be at the clubs fighting. I don't need to be, I know how good I am. And so the more knowledge, knowledge is power, you know, saying it has a lot of truth to it. Absolutely. Both of you guys have, you know, Josh, you, you, you currently are in the gym business, John, I know you were as well. You, you've seen what it can do. It's amazing. And I'm oh, sure some of the most fulfilling moments um, for you while, while you had a gym, some of the, the people you still stay in touch with today that you'll never forget came through your gyms, transformed themselves, right? Became different, better people. And um, yeah, that's that's what we're in the business of. And for me, it's such an interesting contrast. I mean, I, I still consult and work with Scott and, and help him out with certain projects. So I'm still in the in the fight game at a certain level. But to, to, to transition from, you know, working with you guys and trying to put on the best shows, put on the, the best fights, showcase elite level MMA to now just trying to help the average person discover this amazing, powerful force and see how it can improve their lives. It's, um, it's pretty cool. I, I really couldn't have asked for a better opportunity to transition to over at, um, Wimp to Warrior. I would really like to, I mean, and I will, and I will pay for it if I could get podcast Dave into this program, <laughs> just so I can watch him fight just one time. Everybody listening to this right now, you guys need to hit the comment section and say, look, Podcast Dave needs we to do this. We want Podcast Dave, Wimps yep. the Warrior. Let's see it. Guys, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, <laughs> um, you know, right now our schedule is a little light. And the reason is we are fully revamping. We're in the middle of a full rebrand, restructuring the entire operation, ready to go big in 2022. But if we're in a city where there are, you know, MMA um, media members, MMA personalities, I'm going to start calling people out yeah challenging people oh you know and and you know this is a friendly challenge you know for those that you know some guys really do enjoy the training i think they'll be a little more open to it but for some guy you know why not like you look you're in the fight business you love fighting you love covering it you're a huge fan let's try and take that to the next level 
you know, I, it doesn't matter if you win or lose at the end, right? Rich, yeah. what you're saying is actually one of the greatest ideas. I'm, <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm not saying it in a, in any way, you know, at all to you know to belittle anybody, but it does. It gives that person an experience in what it's like to prepare to go through all this training to prepare for a moment where you've got to walk out in front of other people and perform. And it's, it's not just the fight itself. It's all the things that go with it. And the one that, you know, it's one of the things, you know, when, when I went to the Gracie Academy for the first time, you know, I was like, Josh, you know, I was like, you know, no one's beating me. And I got arm barred and it was like, how the frick did you do that? <laughs> but as soon as that happened, you know, eh, I've got to learn this and I've got to start to better myself because I can't let that guy do that to me. And then it's going to happen again. And every time you tap, you're saying, you got me, you, you got my life. And then you just redo it again. But that makes you a better person. And it makes you a better person every time you're in the gym doing that over and over because it does bring you to a point of you're humble. You know that you can be beat. And then in re in the whole world, you look and you go, most of those people, they can't come close to beating me. And I don't have to prove myself. And I think what you're saying with some of, you know, people in the in the fight game, I think it'd be a great thing for them. And I'm not saying that in, you know, to oh, I'm trying to push someone there. I, I do think what you guys do has a, an incredible value to it. Oh, thank you. And look, I, I think even outside of, look, transforming somebody, giving them confidence, helping them get through a tough time, get just base, the basic knowledge, you know, for... Uh, Certain media members, I'm not calling anyone out, just in general. <laughs> but, oh, I have some ideas, buddy. <laughs> I think I kind of have an idea on that one, but I'm not saying. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to point you into a corner. Look, look, there's a reason why you guys have the roles you have and have, you know, congrats on this, this platform that you guys have been growing tremendously because you guys know what you're talking about. You know what you're watching. You know what it's like. But you know, there's just certain moments where I'm like, this guy is telling me this is the next great fighter or this fight is this and that. And he doesn't even know how to get out of side side control. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like it just would be helpful for a lot of people in the industry to just have this, this knowledge of, yeah. of the sport, you know, like it's, it's really turning that, that, um, uh, you know, uh, that fandom into participation. And again, I'm not calling anyone out. This isn't meant to be insulting. This is a, an offer to help help make you better love the game that yeah. cover it for a living or you know in various capacities are in this industry to just help you know learn it's fun like i i enjoy the training it's fun uh so this isn't um this isn't a call out in that way this is a respectful fun challenge let's train guys let's train let's yeah. learn let's all just hang out on the map well, there's, there's no 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 better place Podcast Dave lives in Austin now. Do you guys have any type oh. of? There you go. He lives in Austin. Give me we some knowledge. Rename, oh, you have to rename the course for me. It's gonna have no, to. I will. I will like pay. One. I will pay for this course for you. I'll pay for it. I will pay for the course. I will. I will pay. I'll pay Josh for it twice. I will pay for this course now, just once. Just I will pay for gonna... it twice. <laughs> We're gonna have to rename it from Wimp to Warrior for, to Warrior to Elite because I'm already a warrior. Jesus, there it is. That's what we need to yes. now alter because when Dave, you were talking about humbleness, this is what the we're pro trying to wrestler. Get. Dave is now coming out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Dave, if this makes you feel better as part of our rebrand, um, I will uh, 
you know, give you guys a scoop on this. You know, we're 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 moving towards warrior training. Um nice. so um you know, moving forward, I think the program will be known as warrior training. Um and uh Dave, th- that that just takes away your excuse, pal. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right up podcast Dave's alley. So guys, give, me some, give me give me something in Austin. We we met um with a uh a gym that had uh a group that that owns three gyms in in that in the Texas area, two in Houston and one in Austin. So Beautiful. we are working on on finalizing the um the the the, the deal and, and getting them on board with our big launch next year. So, Dave, get ready, pal. Um, yeah. Hey, here's the other thing. This is gonna make this happen because you Dave, because you I won't... will personally come to the fight, baby. Yes, because you won't do the call out, Rich. I'm gonna do it though. I want him to fight young Jamie. Joe Rogan, get your producer's Ooh, ass up and let's go. I want to see podcast Dave like versus that. young Jamie. Hey. I want to see this fight. <laughs> I think we're on to something. Are they remotely in the same weight class? Oh yes, they are. I they uh, Dave, Dave's about six foot one seventy. What are you one eighty? Oh, oh, get, get that damn thing out of there, man. This is so great. I love it. Hey, Josh, you, 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 hit those, you hit those guys up. Obviously, Dave, you've been officially challenged and notified. Um, you know, Josh, you uh, reach out to, uh, is it Jamie? Over yeah, young Jamie, yep. young, reach out Jamie. To young Jamie. Reach out to Joe. I think it, look, I'm, I'm obviously just pulling the uh, – poking the fun but i think it'd be hilarious you know i've always given it would be hilarious shop. it would be awesome because it you would know be what? awesome it, it would, would learn so much yes. from it he you would what, he would why don't we try and set that up i'm, I'm serious now like I, I know you're 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 uh you're joshing a little bit josh but oh, uh it's good i like that no but really like guys why, why not like uh have fun with it what's the worst that can happen you get in shape you learn a lot um your hey, wife I mean, looks at you finally and goes, yeah. Yeah. There yes. you go. Hey. There you go, podcast, Dave. <laughs> Perhaps you guys uh, could, um, you know, we're going to start exploring this idea as we partner with various charities and whatnot. But, hey, maybe That's- it's to create awareness for a charity. Maybe it's, you know, um, you, you can have people support you and donate to a charity while you go through this. This. Oh, perfect. you know what we'll do? We'll have, we'll have Joe pick out a charity. If Jamie wins. We pay to the charity. Yes. If podcast Dave's win, we pick a charity. Joe pays to our charity. I think it's a I brilliant like idea. It's brilliant. This is great. Hey, brilliant. Again, all positive, right? You yes, tell me. All positive. You tell me where. You know, one one. That's thing it. Negative all right, we're it, Josh. You and I are going to, to Austin because we got to train up podcast Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, he, 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 no, fellas. None of that. No sandbagging. The greener, the better. That's that's what this is. We don't. Want- ah, I gotcha. <laughs> I think it's going to be wonderful if they were able to do something like this. I think it'd be a fun, fun situation. Um, look, and I'm not just saying just young Jamie. I'm saying, but I, I would definitely, I would definitely pay for Dave to do this, and I would love just it. Just what it really comes down to is just a commitment. Like he's like Rich was saying, you don't have to fight at the end. It's just the commitment of training, understanding what what the process is of going through. The, the rigorous training, you know, day in and day out and, and understanding how tired you are. Yeah, it's a commitment. And uh, I would just I think it'd be wonderful just to have Dave go through it in terms of just in terms of relationship with with John and I as well. Um, you know, I think it's good. And then I, I think it'd be a great, a great idea for if we can get some video footage and, and stuff like that to help. <laughs> no, just no, just to help show yeah. for to help show our, our listeners that, hey, podcast Dave's uh, getting it done, man. Every day, grinding yeah. away. That's more. That's more than 
99% of the people out in the United States right now that are sitting around on Twitter battling over stuff that we have no control over, you know, I'd like, and like you said, like you sometimes just have to disconnect from that. And this is a definitely a good way, you know, to get people to pay attention more to, you know, not just our show, but what you guys are doing, Wimps to Warrior and Warriors Training, you know, and it'd be a great idea for, to, to help build this. So thanks guys. Thanks for, thanks for showing us some love. I've worked with a really great group of guys. Our, 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 uh, our CEO, he actually went through the program. His name's Nick Langton. He's in Australia. Mm -hmm. He went through the program in 2014. He was an an investment banker, Mm -hmm. went through the program, fought, and after that said, you guys just changed my life. Now he runs the company. That's awesome. Like, like it's, it's crazy. He quit his very lucrative job. Like he just found this passion in his 40, early 40s and now yeah. um, runs the company. Uh, we we uh, recently brought in um Did you guys bring in Laura Sanko? Yeah, Laura. You know, she's having her. She's awesome. Right now. She's worked so hard for it. She's so awesome. Proud of her. She's amazing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 40% of our competitors are women. Wow. I mean, really? You've seen with, with the growth of women's MMA, it, it makes sense, right? They're seeing yeah. these powerful, great women out there. You know, the Juliana Velasquez is uh, Alima McFarland's of the world and they're getting inspired. Chris Cyborg, right? They're seeing these women. They're like, you know what? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's empowering. That. Yes. So we got, you know, DC came on board recently. I mean, guys i can't think of a better ambassador for mma and i'm wrestling than him he's you know he's amazing so we got a really powerful team um and we're just gonna go for it man and try and get get more people to train what do you think about um like you said with uh laura senko is that she's now doing the case side commentary for some of the fights and what what's your what's your take on I think it's I'm gonna just give my I think it's amazing. I'm glad they put her in a position like this because she's has she has fights, she knows the sport, she understands what's going on. She's been she's been the backroom reporter, she's been in the in the hall reporter, she's done a lot of reporting about all these athletes and their styles of fighting and what they do. She understands the sport, you know, and for her to work with you guys and for her to be put in this position, or I sorry, not even put there, but for her to earn her way into that position exactly work her way towards that yes yeah i mean watch her um for those that haven't seen her fights you know she has several amateur fights fought a few times professionally i believe but go Mm -hmm. watch her training she knows what she's doing she knows she knows what she's doing she knows martial arts um she knows fight culture and and you know she's worked very hard to i'm sure um prove herself to a lot of people and she's just a really great person that uh when we first met um because we came in around the same time. I came in, uh, um, uh, my boss had already been talking to her about joining the company and I got a chance to know her. And I'm like, wow, what a what a great, humble, hardworking person who just loves this game, who loves MMA. And yeah. the more I get to know her, the, the more, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying that process. And the, the more I'm, I'm impressed by just how great she is. And, you know, I, she's not put there because she's a female she's put there because she knows her stuff yeah and it's her time and she's earned it so yeah this isn't i don't think it's a stunt i think it's certainly uh uh, sustainable that she can hang and that she can you know sit in that seat for a very very long time so okay so before we uh close all this out but i wanted to ask you something is how do people find wimps to warrior how do they get signed up in their areas and things like that in their country uh, wimp to warrior.com and it's the the two is the number two okay 
And uh, of course, on, on, on all social media platforms, on, on IG, at Winter Warrior, you know, Facebook, Twitter. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's how you can find us. Once you're there, you'll find out so much more information um, about the program, what we do, what it entails, and where we are. So we are international. Um, and again, our, our movement here, our growth here, I think you're going to see really, really big things next year. We're working very hard right now to um, revamp the entire business to uh, when we relaunch early next year. It's going to be just an amazing, seamless ex experience um, for everyone that joins. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to learn. And Podcast Dave is, is, is going to fight. <laughs> So there you go, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Maybe podcast <laughs> day will bring his WWE belt. Um, then that and last the very last thing I'm gonna talk about or ask you about is your favorite moment working with BJ, whether fight or training or whatever, favorite moment doing that, uh, favorite fight that he was involved in, and Man. and what and what is a fight that I don't care where and what, but what is a fight if that you, you could are make it. If you could make it, that it doesn't matter. Cross promotion, any time in legacy, yeah. that was to happen. Man, got a lot for you. Good ones, on. yeah. You Tough. know, moment. There's so many, man. There are so many, but um, I want to say uh, his Hall of Fame induction. That was you were there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was. I think that was awesome. I know he was very happy and thrilled with that. Um, there's so many great fights, so many great moments. Um, but, uh, yeah, outside of the, uh, outside of the cage, um, yeah, the hall of fame induction, man, that was a, that was a special moment with the whole family. Um, a really fun reunion, um, you know, celebrating the amazing career and just getting everybody together again. And that was just, that was a fun moment. Uh, favorite fight, man, that's a tough one. Um, Uh, gosh, maybe, um, Henzo Gracie, Aloha stadium, you know, again, just for that moment of being in the stadium, you know, BJ always wanted to, uh, to fight there. The family stepped up with K1 and made that happen. Um, I think it was a big moment. The backstory there was tremendous. Him being a student of Half's and, um, Henzo, you know, obviously being Half's brother, so in the jiu-jitsu community, which I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm just a huge jiu-jitsu guy. So that was like a big deal at the time. Um, Hickson was in the corner with yeah. like the family came out like, man, oh, yeah. it was this one. This was a very big moment. Uh, Mike Tyson was there as a guest. It was just a really great moment. Um, very historic moment for Hawaii MMA to be at the stadium. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no world title on the line, world ranking on the line. But for me for what we accomplished as a team to put, pull off that event and BJ ending it, you know, with the, with the win that night, it was, um, yeah, that's, that, 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 that'll probably be it for me. And what and about, I, there was one fight. You could make one fight. Oh, wow. Well, I guess, you know, I guess we got to go back to what started this conversation. Right? <laughs> I knew he was going to go oh, there. I knew I mean, he was going to sit there and go, you're going to take the easy road, the one that we gave you. <laughs> <laughs> See, hey, John, I told you we should have been hey, matchmakers, John. We should have. it. Hey, work smart, right? Yeah. That's it. Don't work hard. Work smart. Yeah. So, 
look, okay, outside of that, since that that uh, fair play, that that maybe that's not fair. Um BJ and who? I'm trying to think of a fight that we tried to book way back in the day. You don't. You don't have to go. It doesn't, BJ. It doesn't have to be any, BJ. It any, doesn't have to be BJ. Any want. fight. Any fight. Any you fight. Would ever if want. you could, if you could match it right now, what would it be? It could be. It could be hens. It could for, be. It could be anyone. It could be any generation. Yes. BJ versus anyone in history. No, just anybody. No, anybody. Anybody. Not even BJ. It doesn't yeah, have to be anybody. BJ. It could be anybody. Mirko and Randleman or Mirko and Fedor. Like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you could be Hoist Gracie versus Hungman Choi. I, I don't I just want to hear what your what Please your don't choice. do that one. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know about that one. Um man, that is uh guys, that's that that's a that's a tough one. Um gosh. Um, you know, this fight keeps popping in my head and, um, I guess I got to go with it cause it's speaking to me and it, it'll probably throw you guys off, but, uh, kind of the, the, the one that, um, got away, uh, Kurt Angle, John, how the hell, come on, baby. It is, isn't it? How the hell? <laughs> right. I like it. Do it. Go. No, no. Tell You have to tell me how, first of all, how did you. <clears throat> Uh, that was that was a fight that I know that they had asked Hoist if he yeah. would take. Yes. So yeah. yeah. So Kurt uh, was uh, doing some work with us. Really, I'm great guy. I'm so glad I got a chance to get to know him. He was making some appearances when we were doing the fan fests, right? Yeah. And um, his manager was just you know we just one day started this conversation about him competing because he was um, you know it it had been a, a topic of discussion for years and uh, um, he started uh, wrestling again on a, uh, on the indie circuit and they sent me some footage of him and he looked, it's, it's, it's one of those weird situations where you, you um, see the guy and he's all beat up and he can't even walk. But then once he's in there, it's like, couldn't even tell, right? Like he yeah. still had elite level athlete and you just, you know, you saw him and then, then it was like, Holy shit. Okay. Hmm. Let's keep talking. And uh, yeah, uh, Kurt Angle versus Hoist Gracie was a uh, was a fight that was talked about at one point. For me personally, it's uh, one of the fun ones that got away. I would have loved to have seen that for several reasons. Um, but yeah, U.S. Uh, Olympic gold medalist, you know, against um, the Godfather of MMA and yeah. a jiu-jitsu pioneer would have been pretty cool. Look, I know there's uh, that that that's a fun one. And John, man, that's so crazy. <laughs> no one would have guessed that, right? Come no. on. No, I would have no, that... never have. <laughs> I would have never have guessed that ever. Again, this is what happens when you're an MMA nerd. You know these things. <laughs> I consider myself a nerd, but I mean, that was just one of those things that I just, I obviously wasn't privy to that information because I never really was into the Kurt Angle situation coming to, to MMA. I mean, and also too, as a fighter, you're not really concerned about guys that are outside your weight class. So at that time, I wasn't paying attention to the fact that like he was possibly coming. I knew I had seen him around Bellator a little bit. I think he came to the, the Kimbo and dad fight. I think he yeah, was there. He was in Houston. And yeah, I he was in he Houston. So I, I had inter interviewed him and talked to him a little bit there. Like you said, like you see him, he can barely walk and this and that. But then, like you said, when he gets on the wrestling mat, he just turns it on certain guys. I mean, the people that have met Hulk Hogan, they said the same thing about him. He could barely walk, but shit, when he got in the wrestling, when he got into the, into the ring, it was like, okay, the Hulkamania lived on. It's just one of those things. So yeah. guys, guys just have that switch that they can turn on. Some guys do, and some guys don't. Obviously, Kurt Angle was one of them. Well, that's a fun one. Let me give you one quick one. That's again, 
not this amazing, you know, GSP and Anderson, of course, you know, that's yeah. another one that I think we all would have liked to have seen. I don't want to s- look, I- I'll settle for seeing him box in a year or two. When he can, <laughs> but, you know, on, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, you know, eight, 10 years ago, or, you know, around that time that, 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 that would have been, you know, that's one that I think got away from all of us yep. as fans, but yeah, that's that that for you know a highly competitive fight that has goat implications and whatnot and the fun fight um hoist versus versus uh kurt angle all right well i lied i can't leave you with that thing because you brought that oh. fight up you brought that fight up and then that brings me right back that brings me right back to the situation we were talking about with bj gsp was at the top of his game anderson silva was at the top of his game look how difficult it was for someone to go up from 170 to 115. And BJ, if we're going to talk about it, BJ did it, like you said, from beating Gomi, who was considered to be the number one lightweight or number two or whatever, but it was the most talked about lightweight at the time in Japan and around the circuit. He beats Gomi and Rumble on the Rock and five months or four months later, he beats Matt Hughes for the welterweight title, jumps 15 pounds and goes against someone who is, weighs more than him, is bigger than him, stronger than him and all those things. And he made it look easy. That's the comparison that we're talking about. GSP and that generation of GSP, nothing, I'm not knocking him. They don't want to take, they didn't, they weren't thinking, they were thinking more about legacy and they weren't thinking about, I just want to fight the, this guy because people were telling me that I, that he's better than me or people are saying he's better, that he's the goat and I'm not like, that's something that BJ would have jumped on right from the get. He would have been like, oh yeah, I'm at 170. He's at 185. And you're saying yeah. he's better than me. I get that guy down. He's done. Yeah, you know, and- yeah. Uh, no, no talk of catch weights, nothing like that. He would have no. just said, "I'll put you at your weight." I mean, he fought Lyoto. I think Lyoto weighed two twenty five, and BJ weighed yep. one eighty five. When like, he just didn't care. He just didn't care. And I understand why that fight never happened, right? You know, but again, to speak to the uh, balls, heart. Again, as we said earlier, right, John? Some people would say stupidity, <laughs> but <laughs> we view it as balls and heart. You gotta love it and, and courage. Uh, he just wanted to fight, man. Anybody, anybody, anytime, anywhere. Not too many guys have lived up to that mantra, yeah. yep. but uh, certainly he has. So, when you look back at his career, what are the what what comes to mind? Um, just that, like a um, a guy whose genius is is never going to be truly appreciated. Um, a very complex dude who did it his way, and and I think we get him, right, guys? Yeah. We get him. We get it, but if your job is to write and cover this sport, um, you know maybe you're not going to appreciate that. You know you want to hear about twenty nine and zero. No, all, all you're looking at is numbers. You want yeah. to hear, yeah, yeah. Which which I I get that as well. Like sure. I'm not gonna. I understand it all. This is again your favorite fighter's favorite fighter, man. Ask him. Like Ask him. Yeah. Uh, chances are he's gonna be in that in that sentence and that on that list. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a great dude who, um, I mean, we didn't even talk about him winning the, the Mundial as being the first foreigner to ever do that. Right. It's like yep. an amazing dude who broke barriers, always went for it and just put it all on the line. He, he either blew you away or he frustrated the hell out of you. And you know what? I think at the end of the day, right. Right. No, like, I know, good. man. Oh my true. God, you could have beat like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I think at the end of the day, I think he's comfortable with that, man. I think he's comfortable with, with how things have played out and where he's at. Right. You guys yeah. know him, Josh, you well, saw him recently. You guys I just had him on, right? I, yeah, yeah. If I'm wrong, tell me now, but no, I feel no. like 
he's a man who's at peace with this all because he well he he rallied, he, he, he said it perfectly what he said was you know i did this then i had to go back and find ways to motivate myself again and then i did it again and then i had to go back and find find ways to motivate myself you're always as you become successful become champion he's the mundial's champion like the world he's the champion for the in jiu-jitsu worlds he wins the championship. Then he goes and he becomes, you know, he fights for the for the UFC title in just his fourth fight. You know, he loses, comes up short, but then, you know, he goes and he beats Gomi. Then he comes back, beats Matt Hughes. Then he goes and he beats all the Gracies and does all these things, right? It's like, then he has to find ways to motivate himself again. Comes back and he beats Sean Shirt, Kenny Florian, Diego Sanchez, Joe Daddy Stevenson. He beats all those guys. He gets to Frankie Edgar, nothing against Frankie, and Frankie's one of my closest friends. He's just, it's like, okay, look, he's done it five, four, five, whatever times. He's been the champion at welterweight. He's beat, he's fought in K1. He's fought in a Loja stadium against the Gracies. Yeah. He's having to find ways to motivate himself, you know, over time. And, and, you know, yeah. and it, it's hard. It gets harder and harder every single time you become successful in everything that you do. Yeah. Victim, uh, 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 the, the way you broke it down there so well, you know, a, a good, he's a victim of his own success, right? The, yeah. um, I don't know if you mentioned this uh with you guys but you know he said it before when he beat matt hughes uh, the first time and won the belt he never expected like he could have just called it right then and there like some kid from a tiny little island never (laughs) expected to even get there right like for him that was like you know the the book could have ended right there and he just would have been like completely satisfied with that but the end he took it to a whole nother level so yeah you know perhaps victim of his own success, constantly chasing that rush and that challenge of, of now who's the next guy that, that everyone says is the baddest on the planet that that's, he's probably scared a little bit to fight too. Right. Like remember he, he, he went back to the UFC in large part, I think, you know, after the, the dispute with, um, with the UFC, with the contract, remember his first fight was George George at that time, George was smashing everybody. That's it. And he was the modern, he was the, it went from like, I felt like DJ from a technical step, like he was the, the the modern guy, right? Like we were talking about that earlier, Josh, what you guys were doing at AKA, Hov and Bob, you guys were creating this modern MMA fighter. And then yeah. George was like, oh, wait till you take all those skills and match them with supreme athleticism. Wait till you see what you can get there. Yeah. And then he's like, that guy? Yeah, let's do it right now. Dana, bring me back, please. I messed up. What was I thinking? Yeah. I, I, I got this out of the way. You know, <laughs> I cheated on you. It's out of my system. I'm ready to, to come ready home. Ready to go. And because I want to, because I think in large part that was motivated by, I want to fight GSP. Yeah. Because he was the buzz. Yeah. I want him. And, <laughs> you know, that just kind of sums it up. Uh, and I think when he was a kid, he did the same thing. Probably he would be, you know, probably walking around Hilo and, big guys were like, Hey, what's up? He's like, oh, God, you never ask, man. Shit, let's go. Like, that's him, right? Like, yeah, it is fight, man. So, um, yeah, a complicated legacy, uh, that I think he's comfortable with that. I think guys like us appreciate mm-hmm. and just a very, you know, when it's all said and done, when we look back, hopefully other people, uh, after us, the historians, the guardians of this thing, they'll feel the same way because that guy deserves it. 
Yeah, because outside of fighting, people need to remember that he he has what four UFC gyms in Hawaii's across Hawaii's. He's also got his own uh, BJ Penn, you know, training center there in Hilo, you know, which I think is now going to be converted into a UFC gym here shortly as well. Um, you know, he has all these successful business ventures that are outside of just fighting itself. You know, not to mention a family, and the, his family is very close, as you know. You know, um, there's been a lot that has, has been staked on him yeah. as well, you know, in terms of relationships with his family and like, you know, the growth of everything that they did together. You know, the Rumble on the Rock was a family venture, pretty much. You know, they they did yeah, all that. They so, put it all on the line for their son to do these amazing things and fight his dream fights. What, what, you know, it was it was crazy. Like yeah. Aloha, the, the Aloha Stadium show. Why part of that was because I know what what they did to put it all on the line. I know what went into all that behind the scenes, why it was so meaningful to us. Cause yeah. they really, you know, they loved their son so much and believed in him so much. A lot of people don't know that, but yeah, you know, shout out to, um, auntie Lorraine and pop for yeah. supporting their kids. And through that process, I was able to get into the industry and learn and without them, I'm not here guys. So, yeah. um, you know, my, my relationship with him is, is, you know, is one that I, I, I really, really, um, value and, and on, on a personal level and professionally, man, if it wasn't for that family, yep. um, I, uh, I definitely wouldn't be here. You know, um, people forget that his brother Reagan was a, a world champion as a blue belt. Correct. Yeah. Reagan. Yeah. So he was a blue belt. Yeah. And then his, his older brother had the potential of being probably even there was taught. I mean, like I had trained with him a couple of times, but he ended up having a pinched nerve in his neck and his arms started to atrophy from all the training in jiu-jitsu. But he had uh, JD who had the potential of being, a stud fighter. He was a oh. he was a scrapper, man, scrapper, yes. and just phenomenal on the ground as well. I mean, like that family themselves just you know they loved to train jiu-jitsu, but they loved to fight. But they they were ingrained in what this was. But they were all very close niche, and they were really good friends with yourself and as with me as well. But just great people, great family, you know, and uh, mom and pops as well. Yeah, Rich, want to tell you thank you so much for your time, and I miss you. I miss being able to talk to you all the time, man. But uh, you are what you are absolutely one of the best at what you do as the matchmaker in Bellator for Strike Force for Elite XC. You were always fantastic. You treated the fighters the right way. You always tried to put the right things together. And I know you're going to be incredibly successful with Warriors training or Wimps to Warriors, whatever they want to change it to. But thank you for everything you've done in the sport. And thank you for being the guy that you are. Well, thank you guys. It's truly an honor to be here chatting with you guys. I miss you, John. I don't miss Josh. <laughs> but, uh, he doesn't hey. miss me because he sees me all the time. That's why he doesn't miss me. He sees me all the time. Yeah. You're, you're like you a guys. fungus, Josh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't shake I'm me, man. Thank you guys for growing this platform. I've been yeah. following your journey. It's hard work. It's, you know, you guys built this from scratch. And I'm proud of you guys for, you know, creating this opportunity, creating this platform. And you guys continuing to evolve from your different careers, from being the, the best referee in the history of the of, of the sport to now um, an elite level commentator uh, to having a, a successful podcast, Josh, from a, a, a championship fighting career, an elite fighting career to now, you know, joining John on the on the production side and having this great podcast. I'm proud of you guys, man. That's what it's all about right. is continuing to grow the sport, even when you're done doing what you started doing and finding these other ways. So um, I'm trying to do it. You guys inspire me. And uh, hey, let's all just keep keep this moving, huh? Keep it flowing. With, 
Wimp to Warrior, the two is a two, the number two. So it's wimptowarrior.com. Go there, check it out. And, and uh, we will be sending you Podcast Day's information yes. right after we <laughs> cut off. Let's go. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> All right, Good brother. Hey, you, brother. Thanks, man. Talk soon. Well, that was a great conversation with a guy that I absolutely love as a person. I've been lucky enough to work with him, Josh. I know he is one of your best friends, a guy that you spend a lot of time with. You cannot say enough about the quality of character and the person that Rich Chow is. Yeah, not just him. Uh, he is one of my closest friends. BJ is also one of my closest friends that I continue to talk with. Like I said, I was tweeting with him earlier before we actually did the show and even before we were talking about having him on today. So the fact that we got both of them on at the same day was remarkable, and I'm glad that it worked out. And hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Look, this was in no way like we talked about. Um a matchmaking experience what it is is just showing the history of somebody that i have a lot of respect for inside and outside of the cage and a friendship with with bj and i have a big uh friendship as well with rich chow and all the things that he's helped done for my career and that means a lot to me a lot of the stuff that he has said that we have talked about as well so hopefully you guys enjoyed this show um it's definitely something that's different than what other shows do and they bring in a matchmaker as well as get in depth with him as well as somebody who's had the the opportunity to work with someone as high level as BJ Penn uh from the beginning of his career and all the things that he helped do so i really hope you guys enjoyed the show cuz this show was actually really close to my heart and it was a great show to 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 be part of I got a question for you before we leave, though, because Rich came up with a great thing. He was the fighter that was the favorite fighter of the fighters of today. Yeah. Give me five. Five that you believe fit that category, because I think I have them. Five guys that fit the category for, for who? For that, the, that would guy, be the-, the, the favorite fighter of guys that are fighters of now. Or even of in the past. Oh, the five. Okay, I mean, a lot of them are going to say GSP, Anderson Silva, BJ Penn. Um, some of them; those would be the top three, I think. You may. I you would say the I, I, I'm there with you, and I think the other ones are Randy Couture and and yeah. Fedor Emelianenko. Okay, so I'm not going to say Fedor because Fedor never fought in the UFC and a lot of the fans right now and the fighters No, now, no, no, no. This has nothing to do with fans. This is fighters. No, I know. The I understand favorite that. fighter of the fighters. This, this generation didn't follow. I don't think this generation saw the Fedor fights. Oh, they I think were a, a little, lot of them did. I think it was a little bit before that. I think this generation of fighters right now are still part of that BJ who do you Penn, th- Who do you GSP. think could be favorite fighter was? I mean, you're, but you're, gotcha. but you're, talking about, you're talking about Russia, though. I, I mean, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of that's, guys okay, from, that, from Russia. The other thing, though, too. Dude, that was, so you know, that's one, Russia's that's one got fighter. a whole lot of people. That's one fighter, though. <laughs> that's one fighter. The bigger the, the bigger market of, of, of fighters in the, in the UFC were not from Russia until recently. Well, the, but so there, was a, one, there, hold it, there was a bigger market of your pride fighters. No, I'm not wrong. Your I'm going to go. It's wrong. Randy Couture. I think Randy's I think, in there. Randy Couture, Fedor, I thought you were right with GSP, right with BJ Penn, and right with Anderson Silva. So yeah. you were right. I'm giving you credit for being yeah. right three times. No, I'm normally right, but that's, that's, for, <laughs> that's for this or that. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, no, I, I understand what you're talking about with Fedor, but I think you're going to find that it's going to be more with the Russian fighters, but there's more of them well, now sure. than there was before. This generation of Russian fighters, I they sure they watched them fight. 
But a lot of the the other fighters, whether they were Brazilian, whether they were American or Japanese or anywhere Canadian, not think, a lot of them, had, I think, had seen Fedor fight because he didn't fight in the States. And remember, when he fought in Japan, a lot of it was at 2, 3 in the morning. And another you know, guy that or, you could put in that is Royce Gracie. Yeah, that's that's the legendary. That's that, yeah. that's the beginner of the sport yeah. kind of thing, and you can't you can't knock that. Yeah, um, you know you're gonna find some of them. Maybe Matt that might have even think Matt Hughes. True. You know, Matt was just such a dominant you know uh, welterweight champion. Yep. So if I was to put in that mix of all of those fighters, yeah, I, those are the top guys as of right now. And but I think the the generation next will be it will be a those fan, those fighters, their favorite fighters will be a Khabib, will be a John Jones, will be oh, yeah. probably still that Anderson Silva. Some of them may even say a, a Conor McGregor and a Dan and Cormier, a, a, Dustin a, a Dan, Corm, a Dan Cam, Cormier, a Stipe for sure. You know, <clears throat> so those guys, good stuff, man. Yeah, I wonder how many have a Frank Shamrock because Frank Shamrock was a little bit before the Fedor thing too. It was kind of around that Fedor era, but he was kind yeah, of he was a little bit before. before. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, but hey, I hopefully you guys enjoy this show. Please go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in. Use the promo code and still pick up any of our shirts. All of them are in different, different colors. We have our logo that you see Big John wearing right now. And uh, we also have our original logo up there, which is very simple. It just says Wayne in in a circle. It's a great one as well. It's one of my favorites, actually, the original logo. But I like this logo as well. It comes in all different colors. You have a red one and a blue one. Comes in different colored shirts as well. We have the American flag one. I think you're wearing the Independence Day one. I am. I don't know if they. You've got them all different colors, so enjoy. You can't do the Independence Day. We can't do the Independence Day, but that you can buy it edition. from me. <laughs> Discounted <laughs> price. It's been worn and sweating. Hey, oh, geez. Perfect. Hey. So, um, yeah, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in. Use the promo code and still get additional 20% off when you use that promo code. And you guys enjoy our shirts. Hopefully, you guys enjoy the show. And, John. Just want to say thank you to BJ Penn and Rich Chow. You guys are awesome. And everyone out there, hope you enjoyed. And we will see you.